This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every 298, the official figure now, flight MH17 shot down in East Ukraine. It turned out the people who shot it down thought it was a military plane. And uh, the transcript that will chill your blood is, uh, is in all the papers today. They were jubilant. And yet, when you look at the pictures in some of the papers, there are bodies strewn all over the place. Uh, the disaster cracks appear to be showing in Cheryl's marriage. It's hilarious. Now, now we start analysing the vicar who married them and never even heard of her before in keeping with the rest of the world. Celebrity Master Chef, has anybody ever heard of these people? No. And the drink drive killer, who has made the captain of his club. It's a story to chill your bones. Oh, and the Magaluf shame of British jobs. There's a surprise. All of that in your texts and uh, tweets and emails. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, they say that the blood here is on Putin's hands. Uh, then they've got a picture of a of a gloating separatist leader who wrote a triumphant message on Twitter. Do you think they... I mean, do you think really they are that stupid that they really didn't think? I mean, what, what amazes me is that uh, he warns, he says, we told you, do not fly in our skies, and they just brought it down. You can only hope, judging by the... Uh, when these things come down, I mean, they literally, they're just blown to pieces, absolutely blown to pieces. You can only hope, can't you, that the end was very quick for these uh, people, which they say could have included uh, 100 children. There were certainly bodies of, uh, of children which were in the papers today and other people as well. They say 80 children, but I think you'll find it's a little bit higher than that. So we'll, that makes all the papers for today. And uh, the, uh, the warning comes, you know, the US says, if Putin's involved, dot, 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 dot. Uh, Putin's missile, six Britons, Ukraine rebels armed by Moscow. The Russian leader faces world anger. And um, the pro-Russian separatists who shot down this passenger jet. 295 people over Ukraine. You would have thought, actually, I mean, I don't know, it never even crossed my mind where these planes fly into, but presumably you fly to somebody else's airspace and they've issued a veiled warning, you fly somewhere else. I did hear tales of, uh, of, a, of a British couple, I think, who always fly Malaysia Airlines, and they then decided to change their airliner at the last minute. Dear God in heaven, that was an act of God, wasn't it? I mean, that just never happens, does it? You never hear of that sort of thing happening. It's such a rare occurrence. And it's so rare to see a plane coming down. When I first heard a plane had come down, I seriously thought, oh, it's just, it's just crashed. It's gone into mountains or something else. And then you look at the carnage. This thing, I mean, people scouring it. Amazingly, uh, they found a whole raft of passports which were there and the suitcases. But there are, there are people whose clothes were blown off. I mean, just absolutely dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Bodies, they say, falling out of the sky. And if you look at some of the papers today, they've got details. I mean, uh, Virgin, I think one of their routes crosses the war region. And they actually say it could easily have been one of ours. It could have been. Thank, thank God it wasn't. It makes, me, it makes me quite worried about flying aircraft now. It really does. You often sit there thinking... I mean, it is supposedly the safest form of transport anywhere. And, uh, you know, Malaysia Airlines must be losing the will to live, I should imagine, because, first of all, they lose a flight, which vanishes into thin air, and the next thing, one's blasted out of the skies. As I say, you can only hope that the people on board who lost their lives um, didn't know what was happening. And just uh, it just happened very quickly for them. It's terrible, really. It is absolutely terrible. Every day I'm coming in here, and there's, every day there's another disaster. So we have found other stories in the papers for you today. 
on LBC. Uh, Attitude magazine had held their uh, parties, their Hot 100 party. Although, to be honest with you, there was such a bunch of naff people there, I don't know how they can call them hot. They had Dan Osborne, and then they had that dreadful Lauren Harris creature. You know the one who turned up on Big Brother? Not all there. Looks like sort of bad drag. Used to be little Lauren who made up things about antiques, and who was that little little peculiar child who we always thought was fairly odd. Comes from a fairly old family. Mind you, talking of old families again, I did watch, uh, much to my deep embarrassment, again, the Speakmans. They're just not normal, are they? They really are not normal. They, they do this this lifestyle. What did we have yesterday? It was some bloke who'd done so. I remember thinking, it's real NAFO stuff. It's real low-rent, middle-of-the-afternoon twaddle, I'm afraid. It's a bunch of twaddle. She sits there looking like she's inside out. She looks like a Barbie doll, but inside out. And he sits there, as I say, looking like Martina Navratilova, and some of the claptrap they come up with. You've never heard such a load of old baloney. It really is. But there we seem to like things like that in this country. In America, I suppose, they would make stars of them. I think they've been around for donkey's years. It's only recently we've stuck the poor old twosome, gruesome twosome, uh, on, the, uh, on the television. I can't, I can't bear them. I watch... Out of, out of a sheer fascination to, to sort of suddenly come to terms with the fact that some really dumb people in this country who can't sort their own lives out, you know, people who get to the age of about 45 and then they go, I was bullied at school. And you think, and so you're prepared to go on a television programme and I never told my parents. You think, well, most people don't tell their parents they were bullied at school. And so it works. You don't go home and say, I was bullied at school today because your parents would have gone marching in there giving them what for. Nowadays, people keep it really quiet and then they, they ignore it. And then it turns up years later when they get regressed or something. And they start saying, I was bullied at school. As I've pointed out millions of times on the programme, everybody was bullied at school. There can't have been many people who weren't. Teachers were bullied at school. Headmaster was bullied at school. Everybody was bullied. You were bullied. Too fat, too thin, too tall, too specky four eyes, sticky out ears, everything. Had to be something. Kids are like that. They're a bit cruel, I'm afraid. Also, the papers today, other stories which are making the news. They've done a a big... Oh, I had to laugh at two. First of all, they did a big uh, probe in the sun into the seedy ladette parties. Hens behaving badly. And I don't know if you've ever been to a hen night. It's full of the most ghastly old tramps you've ever seen. You know, you can all spot them in Blackpool. Blackpool's apparently a fairly popular place to go to. And they all go around dressed as naughty nurses or fairies or something. And there's always one with an L plate on. And you assume she's the poor unfortunate who's managed to buy... Sorry, who's managed to find a husband to, uh, to marry. And they go up off of these hen nights or they fly out on, uh, on EasyJet. And they, uh, they behave badly. But there again, it was, it was always like that. It's just, it just looks so awful. Uh, there's one woman in the paper today, Kirsty and her friends glammed up for a hen party. They just look like old tramps. I don't want to be rude about it. I mean, it was really quite, quite uninteresting. But uh, in the sun this week, and I don't know when it starts, actually, but believe it or not, yes, the story that the world has been waiting for. OK? What do you think the story that world has been waiting for is? I don't believe it in a million years. Yes, the shocking secrets of my hubby's affair. Yes, poor old dreary Botox Katie Price reveals for the first time... I don't think so. I think she's droned on about it since it happened. About uh, hubby Kieran Haler's heartbreaking betrayal with her pal Jane. Apparently, Kate, she was fab sex. Apparently it was really unbelievable. That's why he was with her for seven months. In your stables. Laugh, laugh, laugh. And then they say, don't miss the amazing story told for the first time in her own words. I mean... To be honest with you, why would you want to hear her words on it? Wouldn't you rather hear his words on it? Seeing as he was the one that had the... Who was interested in Katie Price? 
poor old has-been, really. I don't know what you can say about the woman that's repeatable. There's nothing, really. Put it way, you can't be much cop in the bedroom department because for seven months he was off with old Jane and the old stables, and that's why, as we reported yesterday on LBC, apparently poor old Kikati Price, who has been definitely uh, pricey, uh, has decided to sell up and move and so that the kids can have a better upbringing. I should imagine the kids are probably just confused by now. You know, here's another man. Oh, this is husband number what is it, mummy? Which one's this one? Does this one dress up as a woman as well? Uh, or is this the little Greek boy? The little, you know, the little boy. Is that, is, that, is that him? No, not him. Which one is this one? This is the stripper and the plasterer. Great. Can't wait to see them go into rehab, can you? Perhaps they'll end up with the Speakmans. I can just see Princess and uh, whatever his name is, the little boy going in there and having a chat away. So, I mean, so why, why would Katie Price want to reveal the truth about her hubby's heartbreaking betrayal? Who cares? He cheated on her. Obviously, she was a much better, much better in the sack than Katie Price ever was. And there's a, she reveals the truth behind it, well, as, he, as told by him. Well, let's get rid of her and have him. Far more entertaining. But, of course, I should imagine he's been sitting at home gagged while she sort of sits on him, like the proverbial little, you know, naffo that she is. I feel a bit sorry for her, really. She must be desperately unhappy. Desperately unhappy. You know, you can have all the money in the world. I don't think she's got that much. And, and yet you're still droning on about your dreary little life. You know, what is this? One, two, three, about... Relationship number five, and every time she slags them off, every single one, it falls. It falls into a lovely pattern where every time she she goes out with somebody, and then it's oh, I really this is it. This is the one that's going to lie. And you think no, it's not. No, it's not. We know your form, you know, because after a while they suddenly realise that you're as boring as hell. You've got nothing to talk about apart from yourself, and and that's always a bit dull. And so then they uh, they decide to start sort of, you know, going out and drinking and stuff like that. And then she gets fed up with them and then she kicks them out. Every, and then she starts slagging them off. Every single one. Peter Andre, she's slagged to the ground. Dwight York, slagged to the ground. Alex Reed, slagged to the ground. Uh, Leandro Penner, slagged off to the ground. Kieran Ayer, slagged off to the ground. Why would anybody want to ever go out with her? I mean, it looks bad enough with clothes on with them off. It must look even worse. I mean, dear Lord, I mean, you can only hope that perhaps half of them turn gay or something like that. Make it marginally more interesting. But poor old Kieran, obviously, he can't even support her. I mean, he can't support her because she's obviously buying the house and he's got to move in with her. What a drip. Bit of a crummy stripper as well, I was told. And your plastering, not quite up to much, but at least it's something to fall back on. Do you think he still does work or he just sits at home twiddling his thumbs and doing, doing knitting patterns and Googling himself? Anyway, so the Attitude Party, all they could seem to get was a load of old naff people from The Only Wears Essex. So James and Danielle turned up. Uh, Tom Daly would have done, but he was busy working. And so instead you've got Dan Osborne with his EastEnders girlfriend. And then uh, heading over there was that... Um, that uh, Lauren Harris, until Dan made it quite clear, back off, mate, I'm straight. You know, which is great at an attitude party. And then who else did they invite? They're hilarious. They had uh, Lauren Poppy and Vaz J. Morgan. What a dipstick! Have you seen what he's wearing? He looks like a little onesie. I don't know, he, he looks some, somewhat peculiar. But then Lauren Poppy looks a bit peculiar as well, I'm afraid. Other guests include singer Ella Eyre. Ella Eyre? Never even heard of her. I've never heard of half these people. X, oh, X Factor. Oh, God. Recently number one. Oh, that's it. You never hear of her again. Well, will we now? She'll, she'll disappear completely. And now that Steps, Blue and Atomic Kitten have all given it a go and uh, gradually failed one after the other. I mean, Blue was a disaster. Uh, Atomic Kitten, who's remotely interested? I turned on the telly the other day. I felt a bit sorry. There's this programme. I don't know who's hosting it. I can't remember. I've interviewed him before. I can't remember his name, but he's one of these comedians who looks incredibly young. 
and he was hosting it, and uh, they have a sort of a panel of people. Joe Swash is on, and, you know, the one who's bankrupt, but still managed to grin all his way through the pro... It makes me sick, honestly. And poor soul last week, who obviously must be really on his downers at the moment, was... Um, was the one who was married to Jade Goody, Jeff Brazier, who they sort of dressed up, uh, you know, with a plaster cast on and everything else, and they made him eat revolting items. And I thought, you really must be so desperate for the 250 quid that it probably pays to sit there and be humiliated on television. I don't know why you'd ever want to do it. Why would I sat there thinking, I mean, I know you're not getting a ton of work at the moment, but dear God in heaven, there must be a limit to... Pro- so would you like to sit on television and they'll feed you, like, you know, bull's testicles mashed up, and you think, oh, I wouldn't ever do anything like that in a million years. It just shows some of these celebrities, they're so desperate to be on anything at all. That was the same programme that put on Cheska Hull, who told us that uh, it was at Pony Club, you know, when she, like, had a kiss with a boy. I thought you're out your depth here, love. But anyway, having, having reunited Steps... And uh, that was a bit sad. There was one in Steps who never sang. He complained about it on their documentary. He said, I just la-la in the back. Poor soul. Then you had to put up with uh, Ian H. Watkins. And that was a shock, wasn't it? Ian H. Watkins, when he came out, nobody knew he was gay. Blimey, I tell you, you could have knocked me sideways. He said, oh, by the way, I'm gay. And we went, no. No. Unreal. Shocked everybody. Shocked everybody there. And uh, an atomic kitten. Uh, although now really old moggies, I'm afraid. And uh, now... Guess who, who's going to get back together again? They're having discussions at the moment. I'll tell you in a moment. It's uh, quarter past four. Viv. Coming up with Nick Ferrari and the team. This morning as hundreds of people have feared dead after a Malaysia Airlines passenger plane was shot down over eastern Ukraine. Nick will have all the latest on the implications of this attack from around the world. Plus a radio first as the boss of the Royal Bank of Scotland, Ross McEwen, joins Nick in the studio to take your calls. Oh, lovely. I can phone up. They always ask me every time I go to the Royal Bank, how is the service? I said, absolutely fine. Look at the papers. Mark Constantine, business leader. Business leader Mark Constantine now will be in the studio with, uh, with Nick Ferrari. Uh, somebody's written in and says, uh, fear a day when you will have to stand before the one who created you and you will be asked about all of this. What, my mum and dad? Oh dear, I don't have to answer to them. Put the fear of God into people, doesn't it, really? So anyway, who's going to be reforming? Having had the disastrous uh, blue... And, uh, and that really was a disaster, wasn't it, I'm afraid? Atomic Kitten, very shortly to be named Bagpuss, I think. And, uh, yes, it's S Club 7, <laughs> hilariously enough. They must be getting on a bit by now, because uh, Hannah Spirit has teased a reunion earlier this week by tweeting an old picture of the group and the message, See y'all tomorrow, SS, later retweeted by her bandmates. And they had... Reach for the sky. Well, to be honest with you, John Lee, I should imagine, needs to go anywhere near it. He's very successful out in West End Theatre. He does his pantomimes every year. Uh, Bradley McKinter, I don't know whatever happened to Bradley. Uh, Joe O'Meara, we know exactly what happened to Joe O'Meara. Thank you very much indeed. I don't want to be seeing her anytime soon. And Paul Catamol, I think, was the first one to leave. I mean, he must be enormous by now. He was fairly big when he left. Uh, Rachel Stevens and Tina Barrett have tried solo careers and failed. And uh, John Lee's the most successful, but I, have, I don't want to see Joe O'Meara anytime soon, thank you very much indeed. We all remember her from the Big Brother, don't we? Oh, yes. We shan't be forgetting that one in a hurry. Uh, 84850. If Katie Price, says Daz, didn't slag off all her blokes, there'd only be page numbers printed in the book. I know, it's, this, you know that she's got another book coming out, and it'll, it'll be the same old tat that she'll be droning onto the sun about, which I think has probably already been done, and they'll probably pay her 20,000. It's funny, there was, I went uh, to WH Smith at Waterloo Station, and I looked at um, the magazines, and one of them, it's got a picture of, um, of Kerry Coke Toner. 
and her weight loss. And they were saying, you know, how did she do it? I thought, because the son paid her 20,000 quid. <laughs> That's exactly how she did There's no secret to it. The poor old baggage needs to earn some money. And because she can't actually do a day's work, they have to sort of, you know, overhype something like she's on a diet, she's putting... I mean, she's going to be as fat as a whale in about a week. So, no, she's got to wait for the wedding, hasn't she, first? So about a year's time, she'll put the weight back on again. Everybody does. That's how it works. But I love the way they sort of tried to make it interesting. Like, she tells you the secret of her weight loss. The son paid me 20 grand and gave me a trainer. Doesn't get any, any simpler than that, does it? But I'm not interested in Katie Price's story. I'd rather actually have Kieran Haler's story and keep her out of it because she's just interfering. When she was on the Graham Norton show, she went on with Peter Andre. And uh, poor old little Peter Andre sat there like the, like the twit that he is. And he didn't get a word in edgeways. She because I'm taught all the time. And I thought, yeah, but nobody's interested in you. They just, you know, people laugh at you. They're not laughing with you, dear. Not laughing with you. Uh, also in the, uh, in the papers for today, uh, the stories of, well, they've got lots of model stories, and uh, then a builder jailed for flashing at old age pensioners, Nick Jones, walked past his victim's windows in just his footwear, he flashed at nine elderly women, sad little man, and they sent him to prison. Uh, which is uh, which is good, actually. He's got six months in prison where you can walk around naked all you like, mate, but I reckon you won't do, will you, in there? Uh, the son of Alex Hurricane Higgins appeared in court yesterday, charged with uh, a little misdemeanour. It's terrible, isn't it, really, how the, the kids of the famous go off the rails. You've got John McEnroe's son, who's uh, who's gone off the rails over in America, and he's not the first. Loads of people have been like that, and you don't know what it is. Is it because they have everything? And then something goes wrong in their life. And the, I think there was one celebrity son the other day was caught buying crack cocaine. And they look so normal, these people. I mean, perhaps it's just me. Perhaps I'm a bit naive when it comes to drugs. Things I didn't know half the things yesterday that uh, were talked about in the newspapers with regards to the uh, paedophile cases. And uh, so then all of a sudden I'm trying to work out, you know, exactly what these things are. And uh, one of them, the dark web. I'd never even heard of the dark web. Not even heard of it. And then somebody tweeted me and said, well, actually, this is what the, the police use, you know, to sort of frighten people. Well, I mean, it didn't frighten me. I just didn't know what it was. And Bitcoin, and that's where you use some currency on the Internet, which isn't, uh, which isn't proper money. I don't know why you don't use proper money and using Bitcoin. But then, nevertheless, that was, uh, that was what it was. And that's why sort of people were getting a bit uppity the other day, because they now say they've got 10,000 potentially 10,000 paedophiles using the internet. And apparently they all share pictures with each other and they're members of little groups and things like... I mean, it, it just becomes... It's, it's another world, really. It's a world that you don't know about unless you're in that uh, kind of thing, I don't think. 84850, steve at uk. I still can't get over the pictures. It, I mean, they're quite... They're not identifiable, the pictures in the paper today of the uh, of the people who died in that in that plane being brought down but you can see quite clearly that there are that there are bodies in the in the pictures and i just don't quite know at what point you 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 show people i mean you know there are there are bodies strewn all over the place because presumably as the plane came down and smashed to pieces and it did smash to pieces there's hardly any any sort of big things and then they've got a man with a hose who's watering it all down but he's literally watering the bodies, which, uh, I mean, here, there's, you can see quite clearly, there's one, two, three, there's about seven or eight bodies, or bits of bodies, which are quite, quite clearly visible. I mean, it's just, it's awful, really. It is just dreadful. I'm not, not really sure whether we should have things like this in the papers. 
I don't think it's I don't think it's necessary. I mean, what about the families? They're going. Excuse me. I mean, you might not be able to identify your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your cousin, or whoever it happens to be, or your friend. But either way, this is this is somebody's last last place, isn't it? The last place they rested, and they're now in the in the middle of the blasted papers, which I'm not uh, not a fan of. I think it was the Mirror yesterday that showed the the nine year old boy being brought off the beach. He'd been blown up by one of these Israeli bombers. And uh, and four young children lost their lives on the beach. And so you've got a picture of a father bringing his dead son off the beach. I mean, that was unnecessary. We don't need to sing, see things like that, do we? I don't think so. Last year, says Nicola, three members of S Club 7 turned on the Sutton Christmas lights. Majority of the kids had no idea who... The- who they were. Well, you wouldn't. If you're a child, why would you know who S Club 7 were? They fizzled out ages ago. But they did a series in America where they were sort of, they were sort of the, the sort of the, the pop monkeys of their day. And every, every episode they sang a song and they went driving and, and they sort of did little songs. And they, they, I suppose it reached for the stars. And then they did little dance numbers and it was all quite nice. And then Paul Catamol started to look a bit old and ancient with the group. Uh, the rest of them hung on to their youth. And the girls then disappeared off. Joe O'Meara went on to television and made a complete fool of herself. And um, John Lee went on to become very successful on stage. He's been in loads of productions. I've seen him in pantomime. He's done pantomime and everything. And uh, it's what? Sorry? I know, Joe, to be honest with you, actually, the more I think about it, the more I actually know more about S Club 7 than is, than is almost humanly possible. I do know quite a bit about them. One of them, I can't remember who it is, is it Rachel Stevens? Or one of them, and I, I, might, I might have got this wrong, but anyway, her father owns one of those um, limo hire companies, and, and they put out those ghastly stretch limos, which are so awful. I can't bear stretch limos. <laughs> I really can't. In America, I always say, don't ever send a white one. Send something that's grey. Okay, but they are everywhere. They use them as minicabs in a, in America. Over here, it's just used by, by low rent people who want to get from A to B. I think, they, but they just look so awful. Do you think people sit in them and kind of pretend it's their car? Because some of them are flashing lights. And I went past one at Richmond years, pardon me, years ago, and they were showing a pornographic film in the back because I could see it through the glass. There was a pornographic film being shown in the back of this car. And I remember thinking then, oh, tacky. And, and then every time I've seen one of these limos, they're either broken down or they just look tacky. There's one that comes in pink, I believe. Pink, if you please. So anyway, just going back to my favourite group, S Club 7. Reach for stars. And, uh, and they did reach. But why do they want to come back? Who's going to go and see them? Who in their right mind would be remotely interested in watching a group that mimed? What would be the point? They're going to mime again, I suppose. I like the idea, though, that three members of S Club 7. So, is S Club 7? Three of them. You know, should you not be able to get seven together? You know, if, if one of them had died, you could understand it. But to only get three out of seven is a bit embarrassing. And the kids going, who are they? I don't know, they're going to turn the lights on. OK, hooray, we're all here. Yeah, yeah, here come the lights. <laughs> I think James O'Brien said he, turns on the li- he turned on the lights one year for someone. I can't remember who it was. He was very excited. As you are, if somebody asks you to turn on the lights. Uh, 84850, oh, Steve, at uk. Uh, another one here. This is, uh, I'm trying to actually find as, as many of these things as possible. Uh, the, uh, the pla- six miles up this plane was when it was blasted out of the sky. Six miles up. It shows how easy it is to take planes out of the sky. Uh, they lost contact. It left Amsterdam at 10.30. Uh, they lost contact at one twenty. And then it crashed in the Ukraine. 15 crew members, 280 passengers. And so far, I think the, uh, 
the body count is up to 298 people, and they, they check that against records and people have actually checked in. And it's just all, and then you look at the, the missile that brought it down. This is a, a Buck missile system developed by the former Soviet Union, and it uses self-propelled surface-to-air missiles built in conjunction with the Russian Federation. Uh, originally, it had a range of 19 miles, uh, but can now fire at targets up to 31 miles away. 31 miles. You don't even have to see the thing. You can just... And a complete battery of bucks consists of a vehicle that can carry one or more missiles and elevate them to a firing position, and a further two vehicles that also have a radar system. About £35 million. And they can engage up to 24 targets at the same time and carry 5.5-metre missiles that weigh 710 kilos. I'm only telling you this because they seem to be, you know, in the Gaza Strip. This tit-for-tat war that is going on shows no sign of abating at all. LBC News time. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. The big question that everybody's asking this morning is what in God's name was Malaysia Airlines doing flying over an airspace that is notorious for bringing down aircraft and helicopters? They've got surface-to-air missiles. What on earth were they thinking of? I mean, there is no answer to that at the moment. The Americans are within hours of discovering who is to blame. This is Barack Obama's Cuban missile crisis, warns uh, a Brit expert. But what was the plane doing flying over their airspace? Normally, when you go into airspace, you speak to ground and you say, you know, we seek permission to fly over here. And it's all mapped out in advance. What in God's name is it doing over there? They've already brought down God knows how many helicopters and everything else. They've got surface-to-air missiles that can do 31 miles. That's how far they can travel. 31 miles. They home in on the target and they just blow it out. The pilot must have seen it. But obviously, you don't have enough time. These things are coming through the air at rate of knots. And he must have he must have spotted it, or failing that, they didn't spot it. I was watching the other day, it was a, a documentary of the taking of an airliner, the hijacking of an airliner by four people who had guns. And they were all students. And it was a little bit like Raid on Entebbe, if you can cast your mind back to that. But this was a, this was a classic case of, uh, they had these people, they were quite clearly mad as fruitcakes. Uh, but they had guns, and they threatened to blow the plane up. Uh, when they thought they were going to surrender, they didn't. They, they made the pilot fly off again. When they landed, uh, because the pilot was running out of fuel, uh, he'd been quite nice. I think it was a, uh, it was a Lufthansa jet. And uh, anyway, so they've got these four people. The ringleader is just completely off his trolley. And as the as the siege goes on, it lasts for six days in total. The passengers were threatened with being executed. The terrorists wired the whole plane up with explosives and said, listen, if anybody makes any move, we're going to blow the whole plane. They didn't really care whether they died or not. And frankly, by that time, I'd lost the will to live as well. What was sad about it is that they dragged the pilot out of the cockpit and uh, and said, why did you do this, why did you do that? And then in front of all the passengers, just, just shot him in the head. So the passengers are all sitting there. This is a full plane, and they've now got a dead pilot. And what did the terrorists do? They just pushed him out of the plane onto the tarmac. I mean, I remember seeing it quite vividly. It was absolutely shocking. Uh, and then it was a combination between the SAS and the Special Forces who um, who decided at one of the airports, with the help of the airport, to have explosions going on on the runway... The plane was sitting there. It, uh, it had taken off a couple of times and then landed again. And they then stormed the plane and they shot 
all of these uh, these terrorists. I think one of them was wounded as she was carried away on a stretcher. One of these terrorists, she was able to hold her hand up and give the V sign. And uh, but the other, luckily, the other ones were all dead. But with the exception of the pilot, I think it was actually fairly light. But it just goes to prove how good the SAS were. And when you read about the SAS stories, and you suddenly, and I've spoken to quite a lot of SAS men you suddenly realise that those things you can deal with are hijacking. You can't deal with anything where a flight is, uh, is taken out of the sky. I mean, it, it's interesting because it has a normal flight path and then there was the flight path it took yesterday. And you have to ask that same question, don't you? Because this, is, this was the same question we had with Malaysian Airlines before. Is it your pilot's? Because because the other one disappeared completely. And they start saying, well, is it the pilots? I mean, are they on a mission to kill people? I mean, what, what's going on? Because this flight that they took the other day goes directly over the Ukraine. Whereas its normal flight path is away from the Ukraine. They don't fly in that airspace. So it was off course and over a war zone. I mean, either the pilot was on a mission to kill everybody. And I don't know. We don't know yet. We really don't know. Or failing that, he was just incompetent. Either way, you don't hold up. And, and now they've said, oh, we're now going to fly our planes around it. You think, But you were flying them around it before you were off course. What were you doing there? I mean, did he deliberately fly over the Ukraine to have the plane blown up? Is that what it was? When we lost the other flight, people are saying, well, where is it? Was it blown up? We don't know. Couldn't find any debris. Couldn't find anything at all. In the case of this one, this is MH17. I mean, the risk and responsibility comes down fairly and squarely on the shoulders of Malaysian Airlines, and you just don't understand whether or not they've got a bunch of rogue pilots. I mean, now they're actually saying, because the, the aviation experts are asking that very question that I've just asked, what was it doing there? What was it doing there? I mean, two Ukrainian planes, a fighter jet and a transport aircraft, had already been shot down since Monday. That was since Monday. And so this bloke flies over there. And so now they've said that warnings are issued to all airlines, including the Malaysian carrier, that the risks of flying through the eastern part of the Ukraine were high, given an escalation in fighting, and still the pilot chose to fly through there. You can't help feeling, can you not, that maybe the pilot had some death wish and decided he was going to take the plane down. And that's what happens. I mean, uh, somebody says, uh, you know, despite the warnings given to airlines, most had chosen to ignore the advice. There was nothing mandatory in, in place. I mean, airlines are all for saving fuel, time and money. They want to fly the most economical route. But, you know, when you look at since Monday, they've had all these shooting downs and still this idiot captain decided to fly over a war zone directly through the middle of it, direct, as, as if taunting, as if taunting. I mean, this, this Boeing 777, as you, you've probably been on 777s before, it's a long-range, twin-aisle, twin-engine jet, and uh, the first, I think it's the first, commercial aircraft to be entirely computer-designed. Entirely computer-designed. It's been in service since about 1994, 95, something like that. And it's now a best-selling workhorse. I think there are about 900, 900 to 1,000 out there in service. It can carry up to 365 people has a range of up to nearly, well, just about, just under about 9,000 miles and can cruise at up to 43,000 feet. It's, uh, it, strangely enough, prior to the disappearance of Malaysia Airlines flight MH370 in March, it was considered a very good safety record. And to be honest with you, it's, it's not the plane's fault it came down. It was shot down. It was shot down. Malaysia check-in the other day, closed. Not at all surprised. I don't know how they get round this one. I, I really don't know. But you ask the question, don't you? How on earth, 
How on earth did the pilot manage to take it directly over a war zone, an active war zone? Ridiculous. Uh, I can't read one of the stories in the papers, much as I would love to, but it's part of a court case and it's made allegations about a certain celebrity. And I would love to tell you what it is, but I can't. I'm duty-bound not to say anything that goes on, otherwise we get into dreadful trouble. So, But it's an interesting one, very interesting one. And uh, you'll better pick up the paper today and read the same comment that I've just read, which I can't share with you. But it's Friday today, and we quite like Friday in this country, except for when I woke up this morning. I wonder why I'd woken up early, actually, and I sort of dozed off on the settee. That was quite nice. I like dozing off on the settee. And uh, I sort of you know, stumbled into the kitchen, as is my wont, you know. And I made myself a nice cup of coffee, took it back into the sitting room, sort of sit down watching the television. And I could hear this rumbling and I kept thinking, it's either my stomach or something's going on outside. And so I had a quick peer outside the front door and uh, the ground was a little bit wet. And I thought, well, that's quite nice. We're going to get a, Obviously, it's going to be a very, very hot day today. Generally speaking, when the, when the atmospheres collide, it means that you're going to get you know, some sort of heat wave. And that's what they predicted. So the advice for that will come along a little bit later on. But, uh, and then the next time I looked out, which was just as I was about to leave, it was absolutely hammering it down. Not only hammering it down, but uh, the lightning and the thunder. And I've never seen anything like it. It was, it was like being in a, you know, my own private war zone going on up, up there. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, so I sort of staggered down my little umbrella. The time we got into London... It, the rain had eased, but it was still getting lightning all over the place. Lightning and thunder and... Uh, and uh, it was all good stuff. It was all good stuff. And uh, I suppose the, uh, it's an opportunity for the grass to replenish itself. Because the other day, where was the hottest place? Brian in Hampton Hill will know the answer. It was Hampton. That was the hottest place in the country yesterday where they recorded something absolutely phenomenal. And I remember thinking, oh, I did go out at one point. I went out because I, I got a hankering for a jelly. You know, you get sort of sometimes cravings for food. And I sort of sit there thinking, I mean, I had a craving yesterday to get rice. And, I know, it's hard, isn't it? I've got this thing about Uncle Ben's rice at the moment. And so I had chicken Kiev and rice, and I thought, I really want a jelly. I fancy a jelly. So I I went to Marks and Spencer's, and I didn't get a jelly. I got a little trifle, which was quite nice. I quite had two. And uh, I quite liked that. That was quite a nice thing to have. And, And then I sort of settled back to watch the television. Uh, there was nothing on, and I spoke to my... Did I mention my publisher? I spoke to my publisher yesterday, uh, which was lovely, and uh, that was all good fun. And then when I opened up the papers this morning... Oh, that's right. Oh, then there was a thing on the television about how many journalists the BBC were axing. The BBC have got... What did they say it was? It was something horrendous. Something like 6,800 journalists the BBC have got. And I thought, what for? 6,800 and they're axing some of them. In fact, they're axing some on Panorama. Kerry Thomas, who looks after it, has, uh, has had to let go some of the journalists on Panorama. Now, I mean, I, I don't know whether they're part of a cost-cutting exercise, uh, but these are, these are household names, people who've been there for a very long time. And I don't know why. I, don't, I mean, I don't think people watch Panorama for particular reporters. I think they watch it for, for their investigations, but most people wouldn't know their reporters. If you're in the business, you would know their reporters. And uh, they're all of us of a certain sort of vintage. And, uh, and, I, and they were saying the BBC is going to axe about 500 journalists. And I thought, yeah, but you've still got about five and a half thousand left. What do they do? It's like when you look at the, the BBC news. I mean, I speak because I'm on commercial side. And so commercial side has managed to do it as well over the years. Hence all the awards that we get uh, with a fraction of the staff. 
because it costs money. But the BBC, of course, don't need to worry about that because you're happily paying for your licence. And so every time I look at the, uh, the BBC News and you look at this huge newsroom with all these people in it and you think, what are they doing? Are they just sitting down there colouring in or reading books or something going, wait a minute, we're on screen. When we used to do it for, I used to do it for BSB. I used to read the news for BSB in one of the buildings that we were in. And we used to have a laugh. To be honest with you, it was easy money, uh, except I couldn't write on a computer. I was, I was dreadful at things like that. So I, I became a newsreader, which was great, because you'd sit there and you read the news and it went out on all the channels, but you didn't know which channel you were on. It was only after I'd finished that you suddenly realised, sitting there in a Hawaiian shirt going into a serious news programme wasn't maybe quite the right thing. But nevertheless, we had three, a three-camera shoot for the news and behind us was a big window, like we've got in the studio here, with the, with the rest of the team there. And as it was coming down to countdown and they go, OK, roll credits. OK, Steve, coming to in five, four... Three And as they were doing this, the camera is panning round. And in the room behind, they would become animated. People would just get up from their desks and start moving around, holding bits of paper. And <laughs> it became like a, a, a bit of a... A bit of an odd thing to do. It was something funny to do to wind everybody else up. So if you're sitting in the studio waiting to read the news, in my little monitor on the desk, I could see what they were doing in the newsroom behind me. Sometimes, you know, I was expecting them to juggle one day. And so every time they'd go, OK, they knew the camera was on them, so they'd all get up and start crisscrossing the room. It was so funny. So funny. But it was good fun, actually. Very good fun. So anyway, um, what was I telling you that? Oh, that's right, I was telling you, because, because we were doing the news for all the BSB channels, and we were a little newsroom of less than ten people. And the BBC, when you look at their news, and they go, the BBC News, and they show you hundreds of people in a room. What are they doing? I mean, it must be the... I mean, they need to... Somebody needs to go through it with a huge cutting scythe, getting rid of this but there must be loads of us sitting there doing nothing, sitting on their fat bottoms what do you do? I work for the BBC, as what? Um, journalist? something like that, sit in a newsroom really? Because they never seem to be doing anything, but they, but they do it on Sky as well, I sort of, I like watching Sky, when they, they have people walking behind the set, which is even funnier on Sky if, I was the director going, who's that idiot? We're on it, who's just walked behind the set? Yesterday, I didn't, couldn't quite work it out, because I was watching uh, Andrew Neil doing a very intru- uh, very good interview with uh, Tanny Gray, and they were talking about this uh, right right to die bill, which is going to go through the House of Lords. But they had a Labrador in the studio, and I couldn't quite work out whose it was. It seemed to wander around the studio while they were chatting to Michael Portillo, and I n- nobody ever explained to me whose dog it was. I thought perhaps they've started taking dogs into studios now. Banned, of course, from here. Fourteen minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Seven minutes to five. It's nice to have your company. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast with you until 6.30 this morning. And then it's Friday and then I'm going to go, woo-wee, as you do when it's Friday. You don't if you're working the weekend, but if you're working during the week, you go, woo-wee. It's been quite a busy week this week. We've had lots of interviews. And then I spoke to my publisher. And uh, did I mention my publisher? I can't remember if I mentioned that to you before. And so that was quite nice. And then we didn't see Brian at Twickenham Station yesterday. He disappeared. I don't know where he I haven't seen Lenny at Waterloo Station for ages. Getting ridiculous. So the man who married Cheryl Cole... Now, I can't work this out. It's, would, Cheryl Cole is divorced, isn't she, from Ashley? In which case, why is she called... She put her name down as Cheryl Cole. Well, she's Cheryl Tweedy. I mean, unless she's... You don't think it's a marriage that's not actually real? I'm, not, I'm never too sure about... You know, I'm a, I'm a bit traditional. I think marriages should be conducted in churches, not on a beach in Mustique. You know, I think that's, that's somewhat tacky. But anyway, uh, the pastor says, I have no idea who she was. 
Well, don't worry, love. You're in keeping with the rest of the world. They don't know who she is either. She's just some Geordie girl who comes with history. You'd have thought, actually, if you wanted to marry a model, and apparently they all look, you know, all his model girlfriends look like her, uh, you'd think, really, I mean, you don't think he just did it, you know, she went, I'm not going to go to bed with you unless you marry me. Which is, of course, that's not Newcastle at all's way, is it? And, uh, no, I'm not saying, you know, heaven's above that people are free free and easy up there, but uh, I've seen the programmes on the telly, you know? I'm not naive. And so she went, "Uh, uh, you'll put a ring on my finger first? And uh, and then one through my nose, and so and so anyway, so they then so they get married in the ceremony, and there was only a couple of people there. There was her her mother, Joan. Have you seen Joan? Oh my God, they had to do her up, and uh, and her PA, Lily England. So so, did he have anybody there, or did the family go? We're cutting you out the will. You're not because I should imagine all his friends must have googled her, going, "Who is she?" And they go, "Well, she's she's Cheryl Cole." Well, who is that? Don't know. She was in a band. She had a little bit of an appearance somewhere in front of witnesses. And uh, and then there was a, another sort of incident. And then she was married to this footballer. And then she wasn't. And then the Americans dropped her because they didn't understand what she was talking about. And all his friends are going, but, you know, does she play polo? You know, does she understand about fine dining? And he's going to go, I sure don't think so. No, and uh, but she wears a lot of makeup. <laughs> so, so she travels with her PA. With her peer, honestly. Can't she manage anything by herself? It's very false, isn't it? It's a very false world, that, that world of, of celebrity. But uh, he says, uh, the, the, the vicar says that there was no singing. Well, she can't. She can't. Even though her single, Crazy Stupid Love or whatever it is, where Cheryl sort of twerks or twalks or whatever it is she does, and it's all put together a little, you know, OK, just do one, one movement. OK, that's enough. Another movement. OK, and then we clip it all together and it works. So she might might not hit number one. And, and that's it again. Will she go out on tour? Shouldn't think so. Shouldn't think so. She could be far too tired sitting there on a, on a panel having her hair done. You know, while she goes, uh, why, I think you're really good. I think you've got talent. You know, whereas she's never actually had to worry about having talent because she never had any to start with. So uh, can she sing live? No, she can't. No, she can't. But it's sweet. He said uh, she didn't sing. He says, I then came to understand she was a singer, but I didn't know who she was. She told me she'd wanted something modest. Oh, right. Actually, the more you look at the boyfriend, the more, the more odd he looks. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's something... I looked at his pictures in one of the other papers today, and I was thinking, he's slightly odd. Slightly... Perhaps he's, perhaps he's not all there. Anyway, um, 34 degrees, the killer. Heat. Uh, we don't have heat like that very often in this country. It goes from one extreme to the other. People will be sitting outside in the heat. The advice is, don't. Everybody is going to be heading for the coast today. People, even as we speak, families are going around, get up, get up, taking people off to the coast. People will be cramming down onto the beaches in Brighton and places like that. And if you're in London, that's about your nearest, I suppose, Brighton or Southend or Littlehampton or Bognoregis. I still want to go to Great Yarmouth, but somebody said it's a bit like Blackpool, so I've changed my mind about that one. And there will be road chaos today. There will be. We'll have to. We'll have to speak to Andy a little bit later on about that because uh, the schools start their holidays. Everybody's going to head for the coast. Because if the school holidays start today, they're going to, it's going to be dressed down Friday, and they're going to get, let's go to the coast. Why not? Load up the car with the picnic hampers and everything else. And they say, because the temperature will soar so much, you've got to cover up. You've got to have water with you. You've got to make sure that, you know, the car is checked before you go on any journey. If you've got a slightly older car, you've got to make sure that you've got, you know, the water topped up in the radiator or whatever you've got. 
and it's got enough oil, the tyres are pumped up properly, and you've got bottles of water in the car. If necessary, buy a cool box. You can get cool boxes all over the place. I mean, they're actually quite inexpensive. Quite inexpensive. And you just get a cool box, freeze some things, put it in there, so you've got cold water or tins or something like that, cans... Anything, because with 34 degrees today, that's double it. That's just coming under the 100 degrees. And they say hundreds will die in this weather. It affects elderly people quite badly. So the advice is from me and from everybody else that if you've got an elderly person near you, just make sure that they're all right and they've got everything. And also keep the curtains drawn. You know, because that, that will keep the heat off everything. I mean, I spend my life with car windows coming in the morning with the car window open a little bit because they never have the air conditioning on. And I, I like it. In my car, I've got the air conditioning on. It's called comfort cooling. It doesn't actually call air conditioning. It's far too naff. But the, it's called comfort cooling. And so that, that actually sort of makes sure that you can, uh, you can keep cool in the car. But it's so easy, isn't it, to just sit there and profusely sweat. And bearing in mind, if you are going down to the coast today, and it doesn't matter where you are, even if you're in Manchesterford, Paul, and you want to go to the coast, go early, because everybody else will be having the same idea that you will be. We'll leave at nine. We'll leave at ten. We'll leave... Whatever it is... They're going to be leaving, and, and it'll be just... It'll be dreadful. It'll be dreadful. And remember, pack some sun cream. They've also got the secrets of the Celebrity MasterChef finalists. And who are they? Jodie Kidd, model and TV personality. <laughs> right. Uh, Charlie Borman, adventurer. Who is he? Who is he? Is he, is he, is he really well-known or something? He went round the world on a motorbike with you. Well, why haven't we got Ewan McGregor? Why have we got Charlie Borman? Oh, you, yes, Ewan McGregor's very famous and Charlie Borman's not. So they put him on there. And Sophie Thompson, actress. Not a clue. Not a clue. They've got Sophie Thompson. And I'm looking at her thinking, I don't know who she is. Is she in Downton or something like that? I was, <laughs> and nobody ever tells me these things. And they sort of ask the sort of strange questions. It's obviously a real in-depth thing by Nicola Methvin, the TV editor. And one of the, one of the questions is, uh, what would you choose for your final meal if you were a prisoner on death row? She's really cheerful, isn't she, Nicola Methvin? <laughs> Jodie Kidd, TV personality. What does that mean? TV personality? I mean, surely if she's got one ounce of decency, she'll go, I think we can take that off there. It makes me look a bit bland and boring. And um, what was the high point of the series? Getting booked, I should imagine. Low point of the series? Getting booked. Who would be your ideal... I mean, this is the naffest questions ever to these people. Who would be your ideal dinner party guests? David Attenborough, Stephen Fry, Ayrton Senna, and my fiancé, ex-soldier, David Blakeney, so we can enjoy their interesting conversation too. I don't think they'd want to go to your house, would they? I love this. TV personality. As opposed to, I suppose, people on television with no personality. That would make it marginally more interesting. Um, NHS shamed into U-turn on these cerebral palsy kids. Victories, the health bosses fund vital operations. There's another woman in the paper today. She said, you can have your breasts done on the NHS, and yet I've got a hole in my heart, and I can't get it looked at. Yeah, it's because we've wasted too much money on the likes of that idiot Josie Cunningham and people like that who go there, oh, my breasts, is, uh, now I, need them, I need them made bigger. Oh, I've got them bigger. Oh, I don't like them now. I'd make them smaller. No, do it yourself. Dreadful. A friend of mine, his uh, father's got to have a lift put in. They were putting a lift in their house the other day. 
and uh, they tried to get a grant from the local council because he cut, he's, he's a bit uh, bound. Unfortunately, he can't get out at all without this lift. And they said no. So they've had to fund it themselves. £12,000. Not a stanner lift. This is a, a vertical lift. It's only a metre square. You stand on it or put a chair on it or whatever, and then it, it just takes you down to the ground floor. But he needs it because it's making the quality of his life quite bad. And then you read what, what people have, you know... Uh, you know, in in the shape of Josie Cunningham had her breasts enlarged, and uh, just ghastly creature, just ghastly, uh, awful. Uh, eight four eight five. Oh, Alison says, wasn't the plane that disappeared a few months ago, which no one seems to speak of anymore, also Malaysian? Is it a coincidence? Well, we couldn't quite work out unless the pilot of this latest Malaysian airline took it through this uh, zone uh, because uh, he was saving fuel. Might have been that. I don't know. Might have been that. We don't know, and we probably never will know. There was no last message. There was no, no last anything, I'm afraid. No last anything at all. Presumably, these surface-to-air missiles came in so fast, so fast, that they, uh, they didn't have anything to do with it. So either he wasn't aware that he was flying over the Ukraine, either he wasn't... I mean, you have to be incredibly stupid... But I suppose it is entirely possible. But because everybody perished in the flight, nobody's, nobody survived it at all. It comes out of the sky six miles. Uh, you're never going to know the answer. There wasn't even any last communication. There was nothing at all. It took off and then it seemed to go on the wrong route. So we're going to be asking a lot more questions. Penny more to come on your early breakfast show this morning. Final one of the week here till 6.30. 298 people now confirmed dead as flight MH17 is shot down in the Ukraine. Hottest day of the year is going to be today. Elderly people will suffer. Hundreds will die. Just uh, just take care. Uh, the drink-drive killer, who's been made the captain of his club, the family must be really, really upset. And the magaloof shame of the British yobs. All of that. Your texts and emails. 84850steve@lbc.co.uk. Because it is LBC. I am Steve Allen. And all of that and more is coming up next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. The big question is, what was that flight doing over the Ukraine? 298 people... The latest, uh, latest death toll, I'm afraid, flight MH17. The second Malaysian air flight that's gone down. One goes missing. This one, you have to ask the question, did the pilot deliberately fly over this airspace? Having been told on numerous occasions, don't fly over our airspace. They've got surface-to-air missiles. The papers are full of pictures of rubble. I mean, just literally destroyed. There's hardly any large pieces left at all. And uh, pictures of bodies strewn all over the ground. Uh, hens behaving badly. The son have done a, an expose, an expose on those uh, those hen parties. Grim reading. And Frank says, I've been listening to Steve Allen every day for the past two and a half years, and I've absolutely no idea who any of the people are that he talks about. Because Frank is an American, so he has no idea who any of these. And I can quite understand that because we don't know who you are either. So, but of course, you will know this person because she's just died at the age of eighty-nine. Elaine Stritch has died. Elaine Stritch was uh, very famous. Uh, she had lots of people who wrote songs uh, for her. She's been in West End shows. She also appeared with Donald Sindon in the ITV sitcom Two's Company. She got a BAFTA nomination. 
But, and I interviewed her on numerous occasions. She used to live at the Savoy. She used to have an apartment at the Savoy. And I think they must have given her a discount because every interview that she ever did, she would say, well, I've just come here from the Savoy. And then, after all these years, she moved hotel and she went to another one. And I can't remember which one it was. And she started mentioning that. Um, the last time that I encountered her was some years ago when she came to London to do a play, I think. And uh, at the end of the interview, and I can't remember, what, for the life of it, it was such a long t- time ago, I can't remember what we, t- we talked about. But uh, she said, oh, um, uh, is there a car for me? And I said, yes, we, we've arranged a car. And so I thought in my naivety that the car would take her from, from our studio in Fleet Street to the hotel she was staying at. Oh, no. No, no. She was much cleverer than that. Oh, yes, she was up for the freebies. So she kept the car all day. She took it shopping. So, in other words, she went shopping, the car waited, she went in, did her shopping, came out, went somewhere else. She went off for tea. In the end, the cab company phoned us and said, uh, you know that we've only just dropped her off home. This was like six o'clock at night. I said, no, no. I I said, she left here hours ago. She'd have been back at the hotel. He said, no, she went shopping. We had a horrendous bill in. My boss said to me, he said, don't ever let her have a car again. I had another lady that used to come in, and I very stupidly... You know, when somebody comes in, this was a lady who used to be a district nurse. And she'd written books about being a district nurse. They were very funny. And she used to travel in from the countryside. And and I said to her one time, she came and she said, oh, hello. She was very posh. And I said, hello. And I said, did you want a sandwich? Thinking she'd want something from the machine. We had a little sandwich machine. She said, I'll have... Smoked salmon, please, and watercress. So I went... I was so taken aback by it, so I had to wander out onto Fleet Street, find the sandwich shop and get a smoked salmon sandwich for her with watercress. I thought, I'm never asking anybody ever again. Now, the best I'll I'll offer, I'll always go, do you want a cup of tea or a bottle of water? And that's about as far as it goes. I'm not offering anything else at all. 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. So that big question is going to be... What was that plane doing off course? Uh, Was it, you know, the pilot's intention to have it downed? Who knows? We have no idea. We didn't find the last plane. This one, at least we knew where it was, but it went off course. I'm very surprised, actually, that they didn't speak to him and say, you're you're not on the course, because they plan their, their routes out. That's what they do. I lived in Florida. Says John, when S Club 7 shot the show in there, I met Rachel Stevens, and she was very nice. Bit of a hottie as well. Or do you mean the weather's hot over there at the moment? I should imagine it must be absolutely baking over there in Florida. Not not very pleasant at all. Uh, I've just seen short-sleeved uh, shirts, pack of three in M&S, £7.99 a shirt. Yes, it's, they're £27. £27. Nine, three, yeah, they're £9 each, because I bought some. They're quite nice, actually. <laughs> they're very nice. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, who says, uh, Russell says, I also don't think the pilot had a death wish. Well, you don't know. You don't know. That's the trouble. There's as much uh, much speculation on my side as there is on yours. And intentionally flew the plane. Into, they didn't intentionally fly into the missile. The missile finds the plane. It finds the plane. So, uh, you know, that's it. And it could be a conspiracy theory. You don't know. 
you know no more than I do, but I'm better informed than you because I have the flight plan for the aircraft in front of me. I know exactly where it was supposed to be going and where it ended up was not where it was supposed to be going. It shouldn't have flown through the Ukraine at all. Nobody flies through the Ukraine unless you've got a death wish. So it's not a conspiracy. There's no conspiracy theory. I'm just saying that's the second time they've lost one of the planes. And uh, each time it's pilot fault. Pilot fault. Uh, ready for round two of the thunderstorms. Kensal Green is getting the storm now, says Jenny. Somebody wrote to me earlier on and said, uh, we've just received it in Surrey. It was, it certainly chucked it down. I have to be honest. I don't know what it's like. At the moment, we haven't got any lightning, but, uh, I was talking to James. He loves the lightning. He absolutely loves it. Me, I sit there thinking, I've heard of people being struck by lightning before and it's not pleasant, so I don't want to go through that. Wendy says, uh, we just had the storm earlier in Surrey. Now the thunder has just started to rumble again. If only it would cool down. Yes, it, it's the, I mean, luckily, because we're this time of the morning, there's no heat. There's no heat at the moment. Uh, John says, I understand this was a no-fly zone. What on earth's going on with Malaysian Airlines? Yes, I agree. Absolutely agree with you. It's not a conspiracy theory either to suggest that maybe the pilot uh, did this deliberately because he shouldn't have been anywhere near it. He knew it was a war zone. It was only this week. Let's face it, what are we up to? Friday. Monday and Tuesday this week, they shot down two helicopters and a fighter plane. You know, you've got to start asking questions, haven't you? Uh, Kerry's listening this morning. And, uh, and uh, Lorraine says, fabulous light show in Slough. Yes. <laughs> too hot to sleep, says Rob. It is a bit too hot to sleep for many people, isn't it? And then, and then somebody said, I hope you make it to work with all these uh, thunderstorms around. It is a bit frightening, isn't it? Thunderstorm. I mean, I'm, I'm not frightened by it. I love listening to it. But it, you, we used to say years ago, we used to say, God's obviously very angry with somebody. That's what he's, uh, he's doing up there. He's decided he's going to have a go at us. And that's what it was. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Yes, the pictures in the papers uh, of the person who sent this in uh, was the female presenter doing a piece to camera on the television. And there was a shit that she uh, they said, don't uh, don't don't look behind you because there was a dog on the beach and it squatted right behind her and went to the toilet and they showed it on camera. She'd been upstaged by, by, a, by a dog. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a, it's a pity that the, uh, the television company, the BBC, didn't take the opportunity to remind people if their dogs do go to the toilet on the beach, then you've still got to pick it up. I find it absolutely amazing that people still don't pick up dog poo. I think that's absolutely disgusting. And on a beach as well, even worse. Even worse. 84850, oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. I'm off to the London Eye, says Jackie, on Sunday. A birthday treat from Karen, so I hope for a rain-free good view. I, I might have bad news about the weather. A friend of mine's doing a, a car boot this weekend. And she said, what's the forecast? I said, I think it's rain. No rain in Paddock Wood, but the thunderstorm is moving across, says Jackie. Yeah, I think the, the rain... Cu- we didn't have rain to start with. We got the thunder and we got the lightning and then we got a little bit of rain and then we got a whole lot of rain. And in London, it hammered it down. Typical, isn't it? Typical. I just uh, just got the car washed yesterday. I was thinking it looks particularly nice. And now we're back all wet again, which is terrible. Uh, Amanda says, we've been having uh, torrential rain and storms since 2.30. Oh, apparently Sophie Thompson is Emma Thompson's sister. Couldn't they get Emma Thompson then for the celebrity thing? I mean, yeah, with all due respect to her, it's like Charlie Borman is friends with Ewan McGregor and did this motorcycle thing. Why can we get Ewan McGregor? And then, so we get Emma Thompson as opposed to... Sorry, we get uh, Sophie Thompson, who's Emma Thompson's sister. I'd rather see Emma Thompson on there. If you're going to call it celebrity, 
Everybody wants to know that there's uh, that they are a celebrity, don't they, nowadays? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. The Malaysian Airlines report said the pilot knew he was there. He spoke to Ukraine Flight Control, and there was no problem being there above 32,000 feet, says Stephen Crawley. Well, there quite clearly was. There quite clearly was. At 32,000, these things have got a range. They can go up miles, absolute miles. Bucketing, bucketing it down, flowers green. Pete says, fabulous light show on Blackpool front last night. Well, somebody set fire to it. <laughs> it's the only time you'd ever get a good light show in Blackpool. Uh, storm over Islington, but no rain yet, says Iris. There will be. And Diana says, just got up and saw raindrops on the kitchen window. Now heard from you, it was a huge storm in the night. Didn't hear a thing. That's one of the advantages of being deaf. She says, I slept like a baby. I've been watching Celebrity MasterChef on and off. Uh, and the nail-biting episode. Six-foot-two Jodie was teamed with Wayne's sleep. So funny, she could have put little Wayne in her apron pocket. Charlie is the son of the film director, John Borman, and Sophie is the actress, sister, as we now know of, Emma Thompson. There you go. But, you know, why can't we have the main, the main part as opposed to the offspring? Not quite as exciting, is it? Not quite as exciting. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, I'm in Farringdon Street. There's plenty of lightning now at ten past five. Yes. And uh, one here says, you're my favourite. You make me laugh when I need to laugh. And Sarah's in the provinces. Says, Bradley from S Club was exposed in the papers. I'll have to check that one out, actually. Oh, and the Freakmans. Oh, they're very odd, aren't they? It's a very odd programme. I'm just hoping it's not my friend Jonathan Levi has got anything to do with it. It's generally those programmes where it's got very irritating people on that he's something to do with. Um... Apparently, Steve, the BBC are cutting left, right and centre on the radio. Oh, good. Uh, us punks are losing the punk rock show in September after a 10-year run. It seems they've given up on overnight radio completely. Oh, I know, that's fantastic news for me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Somebody said to me the other day, it's almost like, at the moment, we do wipe the floor with everybody. We absolutely wipe the floor with everybody. If you look at the audience figures for, uh, for LBC, it kicks off at 4am in the morning. Have you ever heard of a 4am spike? But uh, there is a 4am huge spike. It just goes, da, 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 and then psh, shoots up. So the idea that the BBC are going to close down most of their overnight radio programmes is fantastic for me. I mean, it just means... I mean, I realise it's less choice, but to be honest with you, when you've listened to some, some really average presenters on the BBC drivelling on about their, you know, boring... And they never have an opinion, have you noticed? Nobody's ever got an opinion. They're so dull. And, uh, and then, you, then you'll discover the choice of LBC, and you'll suddenly realise... What you've been missing all these years? You know, what you've been missing? So uh, I can't wait for it. It can't happen quick enough for me. Unless, of course, it's any of my friends losing their job, in which case I'm terribly sorry and uh, wish them all the best. That's it. But I don't think I know anybody who works on overnight radio. I know overnight television programmes, but not overnight radio. I'm just about it. It's 5.15. Nick and the team with you at 7 o'clock. Hundreds of people fear dead on this Malaysia Airlines passenger plane shot down over eastern Ukraine. Nick will have all the latest on the implications of this attack from around the world. Plus a radio first as the boss of the Royal Bank of Scotland, Ross McEwen, joins Nick in the studio to take your calls. Looking at the papers, Mark Constantine. The, uh, the business leader will be here. Oh, it's, it's really well stacked today. They've also got Patrick Stewart in, the actor and patron of Dignity in Dying, to talk about this assisted dying bill. And it's, it, it raises lots of questions. It's a very, very important bill. This will be for those people who are terminally ill. I think it has to be so many days that you've been given and who want to end their life with a, with a cocktail of drugs, depending on what your state of mind is. 
And uh, I watched them having a long discussion on the television about this. And I suppose we would all want, I was listening to some very well-known people saying, you know, I want to be able to control the end of my life. Whether or not we're all able to, I don't know. I don't know. You know, with the help of, of drugs, you can, I suppose, control it. I would like to think that if I got to that stage in my life where my quality of life was so poor and so awful, somebody would say, listen, and I would, I would, you would have to make it clear, wouldn't you, beforehand, while you were compass mentors, that if it got to that stage, you would authorise somebody to help you end your day so you could slip quietly away. Because nobody likes to see anybody suffering. We, we put animals down if we think they're suffering. And yet human beings you cling on to for the last vestige of youth. Same way with uh, Nelson Mandela. Because we've had people saying that they literally kept him alive. He didn't know where he was. I mean, his quality of life was zero. And they brought him out and sort of held him up. Yes, it's marvellous. He just sat there. He'd almost all but switched off. But they kept him going for ages. I think Desmond Tutu said that. He said they kept him going. It was, it was a shame. But I think at the end of your life, you would like to have that option of, please let me go. I really want to go now. My body is so racked with pain. It's for people who, you know, people who have cancers and something that is inoperable, something that is going to have to be terminal, not just for some people who think that a doctor is going to make a decision about whether to terminate your life, because they won't. You will be allowed to make that decision. That's why it's very important. And so they'll talk about that with Nick Ferrari this morning, and you can put your questions to the CEO over the Royal Bank of Scotland as well. Nikki's my bus driver. I've suddenly found out her name. So Nikki's my bus driver, bless her heart. And uh, she says, bring on the... Uh, the aircon, check. Shorts, check. Bring on the heat wave. Yes. Morning, Nikki. I didn't get to her yesterday. I got, I got another bus drive. <laughs> Honestly, it's mad, isn't it? Terry the taxi, because I said the other day, I think I want to go and sit in a fridge. And he said, you better get a big fridge, otherwise your knees get stuck to your chin. <laughs> and the black cab poet... Uh, has, has retweeted me. He says, across the land on DAB, there's gossip from the papers and the news. Tune in tomorrow for his witty views. That'll be me, I think. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. The other thing which I must tell you, and I don't tell you enough during the programme, is that uh, thousands and thousands of people download this programme every day. Mainly lawyers. And they, uh, they, sort of, they enjoy listening back to it. They go on holiday. And if you go to the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk, not only can you see what people look like, which actually might frighten you at this time of the morning, but also you can read up about all the presenters. There's lots of pictures on the presenters' pages and all sorts of... All sorts of balmy things, all sorts of balmy things on there, and you discover. But you can download the LBC app, and what the LBC app does is it will automatically download the free podcast to your phone. And if you subscribe to the podcast system, because I have two podcasts every day, I have a free podcast, which is where we gently chide a few celebrities, and then we have the program which is then condensed down. We take out the adverts, we take out the news, we take out everything. Well, that's a theory behind it, anyway. And, uh, and then we put that one out as well, and so you can you pay for that one. But you can download everything on LBC from as little as £2 a month. Discover how to... Anyway, listen, all sorts of people do it. You don't have to be very intelligent or, you know, terribly clever or understand gimmicks or, you know, your phone or your computer or anything like that. Just go to lbc.co.uk and there's a good backup system as well which can help you. But I have a free podcast every day and you can follow me on Twitter which is at Steve Allen Show. At Steve Allen Show. So I told you my Elaine Stritch story and then somebody said yesterday, you haven't really got any pictures of Esther McVeigh. I said, I've got loads of stuff on Esther McVeigh. <laughs> I didn't realise she... I mean, now, now I've discovered she's the, the really popular one. Um, I might start going through all my videos of Five's company, lifting things off, because I've got, 
all the shows that I did in the course of a year. And a good 85% of them were with Esther McVeigh. So there you go. Uh, nice picture today of uh, Mr Fox. And uh, out there in a field uh, are two um, cranes. Now, cranes are very big. And uh, they're protecting their chicks. And the fox decided he was going to have the chicks. But luckily, the cranes thought differently. So, uh, sadly, uh, the chicks didn't survive long after their brush with the fox. One disappeared a few weeks after being hatched and the other last month. And it's a shame, really, but you do get the foxes going out there. They know, pardon me, a lot of indigestion this morning. They, uh, they know when they're about and they will pick their moment. And you see it on the television. Most, most of the Attenborough programmes have got, you know, the Arctic foxes picking up all the chicks and things like that. The other thing, which, of course, they've got to suffer, is it in the Arctic or wherever it was? Snakes. So they've got these poor chicks sitting in the burrows and the, the snakes just go into the burrows and just pick them off. Absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Number of films rated 12A rises despite complaints. So, in other words, children are being exposed to scenes of violence and sex. To be honest with you, I think we're fighting a losing battle here. I think we're absolutely fighting a losing battle because you've only got to go onto computers. And a lot of parents say to me, well, they don't have the computer downstairs. The kids have got the computer in their room. And because they've also got iPads, and they've got mini iPads and stuff like that nowadays, they can access all sorts of things. Access all sorts of... What they might not know is that you can check the history and you can find out exactly what it is they've been watching. But I remember a friend of, uh, friend of mine, his, uh, his two boys, one of them had been accessing porn on the internet. And he only knew about it when uh, there was a problem with the computer and he clicked on history and then discovered what he'd been looking at. And he was 14. And he said to him, he said, listen, I'm not going to tell your mother, but I'm just telling you now... We can see everything that you've accessed. Everything you've accessed on this computer. He said he went quite pale. Quite pale. As indeed people do. 84850, uk. There was a lovely piece in the mail the other day on the Imperial War Museum, which has just uh, opened up their new galleries, a tribute to the, uh, the men and women who gave their lives for freedom. Uh, it's a fantastic museum. You know how much I, I rate my museums in London. Funnily enough, while my parents were alive and they would go, oh, we're going to the museums, and I'd go, oh, not the museums again. I used to hate going to museums, but as I've got a little bit older and a little bit wiser, I realise exactly the purpose that they serve, and I love going to them. You, know, you can spend a lot of time. But again, it's Prince William uh, out again, uh, who went down there touring, and you think to yourself, I mean, is that because he is now doing all the stuff that uh, his mother, sorry, his, uh, his uh, grandmother used to do. And so he now goes out there. I don't think he's ever going to go back to a normal job. I think now they just find him something to do all the time. So he went down to the galleries yesterday with Lord and Lady Rothermere. Uh, there's a, 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 a plaque commemorating the first Viscount Rothermere who donated land for the museum's site. It used to be on the site of a mental hospital called Bedlam, I think. I might have got that bit wrong, but it's certainly a mental hospital, and that's where the Victorians used to go down and laugh at the poor unfortunates inside who were walking around and banging their head against walls and talking to themselves. Other stories in the uh, the paper for today. Uh, Keith Richards, the Rolling Stones guitarist, discussing his latest bedtime reading. He said, somebody gave me Max Hastings' latest book about 1914, which he quite liked. You can't imagine, can you, somebody the Rolling Stones actually, actually sort of reading a book before bedtime. I, do, I spoke to one of the guys who does, uh, Adrian, who does our, our computer stuff here. He hasn't picked up a book in ages. He does it all on his Kindle. 
Everything on his Kindle nowadays. Whereas, in fact, I do. I bought a lovely book about the uh, royal palaces in London, and there's quite a number of them. And uh, looking through this huge... Wait a, a tonne, this book, to get it home yesterday. But it was, it was well worth it, so I sat on the train reading it, feeling, feeling fairly, uh, fairly happy about life. On well, the subject of the, uh, the thunder, King's Cross is getting at the moment, says Dennis. He says, uh, it, I've had it since 2.15 this morning. wonder how my friends from Pinner are getting on. They went off to Pembrokeshire for a camping holiday. But I suppose making love under canvas during a thunderstorm has its charm. He says, I love the show here in London or back home in Banbridge in Northern Ireland. You see, now that we're uh, now that we're sort of globally big and you can pick us up over the country, people do pick us up all over the country. And Charlton says, Yill, it's chucking it down. It's an unusual name, isn't it? Yill. Y-I-L. Never heard of that name before. Mind you, there's loads of names. Don't worry, Yill, I haven't heard of everybody's name at all. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, the pilots were, of course... I'm not prepared to discuss it with you any further, John. You're quite clear not of the real world, which is a shame. They were, of course. They were, of course. OK? It's as simple as that. They do, you do not fly over a war zone, and it should be particularly stupid. An active war zone where they brought down three planes, even in the last week. You don't fly over it. That would be a bit stupid, wouldn't it? <sighs> don't make yourself sound any more daft, I'm afraid. Cecilia says, heavy thunder and rain has hit Notting Hill. There you go. And uh, and somebody else here says uh, 34 converted 93.2 Fahrenheit. Well, effectively, it's double it and add 30. OK, that's what it is. Uh, they go to the Imperial War Museum on the site of Bedlam. Did I say Bedlam? I think I said... Did I say Bedlam? Yeah. So they go. It was a, it was a mental hospital. And uh, Polly says, Sophie Thompson, one of our finest actresses. You need to open your eyes. How would it be, Polly, if I said to you I'm blind? How would, how would you feel about that one? Well, put it this way, love. I've never heard of her. The producer's never heard of her, and we asked everybody else in the building, and they've never heard of her either. So there you go. So it's just you, dear, and Chiswick. You're the only one. Never mind. Uh, who's this? Will she never learn? Say the papers. Oh, it's Cheryl Cole again. Jan Moyer. And we'll, uh, we'll come round to what she says about Cheryl in a moment. Quick time check. 5.30. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 28 minutes to 6. It's Friday morning. So, will she never learn, writes Jan Moyer in the mail today. Our Cheryl has rushed off and married some bloke she met three months ago. Jean-Bernard Fernandez Versini is uh, variously called a restaurateur, a playboy, somebody who rounds up big spenders to drink in a pop-up restaurant in Cannes. Look at him. Rayfish, smooth and deadly. He looks about as dependable as a pair of sandals made of meringue. That was what I couldn't think of. I knew he did. There was something about him that didn't quite ring true. He looks a little bit as if he's a, he's a bit of a sort of a mummy's kind of boy. They said uh, he's practically got big trouble tattooed on his forehead, but you can't tell Cheryl anything. We are of the same spirit, he said about himself and his new wife. I think he means they both like vodka. Uh, Friends say they've known him to work for only two weeks a year, which makes you wonder who paid for Cheryl's £300,000 engagement ring and wedding in Mystique. Right, posh. She tweeted, I usually do not discuss my personal life, but to stop the speculation, I want to share my happy news... Uh, Jean-Bernard and I married uh, on the 7th, uh, 7.14. Speculation. Speculation by precisely nobody. Yet Cheryl is so convinced he's a keeper, she doesn't even want him to sign a prenup to protect her £16 million fortune. Which will finish first? The new series of The X Factor or her marriage? It's a no from me, says Jan Moyer, which is exactly what we said on the programme before. And also, I mean, can you, do you think he's actually got friends who've got tattoos on their bottoms? 
I mean, do you think he realised what the word low rent is? It's, I mean, I'd, I mean, luckily his mother isn't uh, alive anymore to sort of see the shame and everything else. But the trouble is, he likes, he likes models. He's always liked models. And so he gets, it was like David Guest. Do you remember David Guest? They used to laugh at David People still laugh at David Guest and his funny little bit of hair on his head. But they laughed because he was a big Judy Garland fan. But because Judy Garland was dead, he quite clearly couldn't marry her. So what did he get? Liza Minnelli. And you know how badly wrong that went, I'm afraid. He turned out to be a control freak and the whole thing just imploded. And you know damn well that Cheryl's marriage will not last. I'd be very surprised if it runs the year. Although some people have said, no, you're being too cruel. Eight months. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm giving, I'm erring on the side of caution because she's got nothing in common with him at all. Nothing. It's like a little schoolgirl infatuation. There is nothing in common. They don't mix in the same circles. She doesn't go on the sort of, on the rich party circuit. She does the local Locarno. You know, she, he, he wouldn't, he probably doesn't even know what a, what a doner kebab is. You know, whereas she can probably recite the entire doner kebab shop menu to you with her eyes closed. She probably knows, you know, exactly how much, you know, doner kebab meat you get for £4.50. He wouldn't know what that was. She won't know the fine things about dining. I mean, if you actually laid out the knives and forks, you know, next to the plates, she wouldn't know which one to use. Is it outwards, inwards? Or is it inwards, outwards? What way? Eh? What's what's the little fork for? What do you use that for? That's for doing uh, they, uh, whatever. Wherever what a jelly. What after the first course? <laughs> what's that for? That's to cleanse your palate. All right. How many how many wine glasses do you use here? I can't believe it. There's more than six. Yeah, that one's for water. That'll be for red wine. There'll be a different wine between each courses. Bloody hell, Farah should be so drunk. <laughs> you could just, I mean, to be honest with you, it's worth doing a documentary on. It could be absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Holiday home abroad tops the list of goals before you die. I hate it when people make lists before they die. I can understand it if somebody's terminal and they start saying, I've got, I've got a bucket list or a wish list or whatever it is. But now they say swimming with dolphins. I'm so bored with people swimming with dolphins. Climbing a mountain. Why would you want to do that? Because it's there. Also featured in the top 40 things. Uh, another one here, floating in the Dead Sea. I think that's while you're alive. Taking in the view from the Empire State Building. I've done that. It's just like being on a very tall building looking at the view. You have to get two lifts to go up there. Owning a holiday home abroad topped the list. Oh, don't be so stupid. Who's this list from? Oh, I can't even begin to tell you, actually, because it's just ridiculous. They also say the top ten dreams... Would have a holiday home abroad. What for, who are these stupid people they've asked? I'm not even going to mention the company because I think they've just done it to, to be stupid. Uh, the other thing is learn a language. Well, I think everybody should learn a language. Cheryl's learning French. It's good, isn't it? Bonjour. Uh, travel to the Maldives, buy a house, swim with dolphins, drive on Route 66. It's boring. I've done Route 66. Uh, <clears throat> ride in a hot air balloon, see the Egyptian pyramids, visit a casino in Las Vegas and take a trip to Venice. Well, you can do both of those things at the end, can't you? You can go to Venice, uh, to the Venetian in Vegas. <coughs> and uh, you get roughly the same kind of effect. Buy a holiday home. What a stupid thing. Who are these people they've asked? They must have asked really the daftest people ever. Uh, Dan's up. He says, three hours of lightning. And for what Danny has said, along with most of Bracknell and the surrounding area, the alarm system for Broadmoor has been struck. It's either that or a load of patients have broken out. The alarms have been sounding for some time. I've forgotten Broadmoor's down your way. I think, for some reason, I always think Broadmoor's in the middle of... the middle, of, Not the Sahara Desert, but in the middle of sort of um, Bodmin Moor or something. I don't know why I think it's down your way. I never thought about that at all. 
Never. Uh, 84850. Oh, it's going to be few. What a scorcher up here in God's own country. Hull. He says, uh, the only centigrade Fahrenheit conversion you ever need, 16 centigrade is 61 Fahrenheit, and 28 is 82. That's all you need. 56, yeah, 82. Roughly that. I mean, to be honest with you, who could tell the difference? Can you tell the difference between 97 and 100? The answer is nobody can. Nobody. Unless you're standing out there with your little thermometer, which I think is fairly unlikely. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, this is uh, heavy rain and thunder, I'm afraid, in Maidstone. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. It's uh, a bit of a shame that we can't uh, guarantee good weather for planned outdoor events in this country. Local Mayfairs were a washout. I've organised some weeks ago. Picnic in Richmond Park for my Richmond Memories Facebook group for tomorrow. What do you think? I don't know, actually. I don't know. Um... It's, I mean, I do think it's a bit of a worry when you do get this, this dreadful weather that, that sort of knocks us out in this country. But it's only recently they put a cover over Wimbledon so they could carry on. Before every time it rained, they had to run over with the covers, the little ball boys and girls dragging the covers backwards and forwards. <laughs> 84850, steve at uk. Let's uh, uh, weave everything in this morning. Everybody talking about this uh, this rain. You know, it's fantastic. Uh, another one here. From Phil in Darlington. He says, uh, say what you like about the Steve Allen, but uh, how many radio presenters will ask you to take care in the heat wave? A true measure of a caring man. Absolutely. But that's Darlington for you, isn't it, really? Which is good. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. There has been new information about the flight path, Stephen Crawley. I've told you three times now, it's in all the papers today, he was off course. He was not on flight path. Okay. It's in all the papers. All the papers have mentioned that today. Might not have been when you first heard it, first of all, because they weren't quite aware of what the flight path was. Now they've had a look at it. He was off flight path. Uh, John McEnroe in a dynasty cursed by drugs. I remember the happy days when John McEnroe was married to Tatum O'Neill. Picture of his son. He could spend 25 years. You remember Tatum O'Neill fell down into that uh, trap as well. She was so good. Uh, so good. Son of, uh, sorry, daughter of uh, Ryan O'Neill. Um, who she blamed on her problems. Uh, she was caught buying crack from a tramp, but she made that fantastic film, Paper Moon. And now McEnroe's son has been arrested uh, and another piece of the dynasty, cursed by drugs. And they say he could receive something like 25 years in prison. It's ridiculous. Why do people get caught up in drugs? I don't quite understand. Uh, 84850, uk. We weave uh, everything into the, uh, the programme. Another one here, and uh, this is the uh, the rebels mistaking the jet for an army transport plane, and uh, revelling in the fact that they brought it down. Shouldn't imagine they'll be shedding any uh, any tears anytime soon. The fact that it turned out to be a commercial airline who was off course. A million pensioners are now millionaires. How are they millionaires? Apparently. It's the value of their homes. If you're a pensioner and you bought a house some years ago and you've not bothered and it's been in a, a particularly good area. I mean, for example, London, I think, must have risen probably higher than just about anybody and anywhere else in the country. I can't think of anywhere apart from Cheshire and a few other isolated places where it has absolutely gone through the roof. And it's not uncommon in London to find little tiny terrace places going for over a million pounds. I don't personally know how people afford it, but a lot of pensioners who are in these uh, have had them for ages. And they're still, some of them, in the original state they were when they were first bought. So builders go in there and they convert. I mean, how many times you walk down your own street 
and you actually look at the building work that is going on and you think to yourself, that'll be up for sale very shortly or they'll split it in half. You see them on the television every day. They have all these different programmes and they show you people going, you look at these houses and think, I can't wait to see what this one's going to look like when they actually finish it. And then they finish it and you go, blimey, it looks unbelievable. And then they go, are we going to rent it out? And I would say, don't rent it out. People trash your home, I'm afraid. It's very rarely a happy ending when you have, uh, when you have things like that. 84850steve@lbc.co.uk. Um, Nigel in Wimbledon says, uh, for those getting older, four o'clock is the hour that the bladder seems to, uh, to pick to wake us up for a trip to the bathroom. Listen, I don't care what it is on the 4am spike. <laughs> it doesn't, makes no difference to me at all. As long as people are there, and they are, so we are the most listened to programme. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Another one here. This is, uh, this is from, uh, Who's this one for? Oh, this is from, sorry, this is from, uh, from Jackie in Paddock Wood. She says, uh, Dan is chatting to me on Facebook this morning. Do you know, it's the only thing I don't do, Facebook. I don't do Facebook. And I can't think why I don't do Facebook. I think because I've got more than enough with, with Twitter. That's all you need to worry about. Uh, and getting a fox cub in the garden yesterday was, uh, was Jackie. Very happy with it. Do you know, they're all out there, aren't they? Foxes show no fear. No fear at all. We've got them running up and down Twickenham High Street. I'm convinced they're doing shoplifting, but they show no fear at all. They will. I don't know whether they attack cats or anything like that, but uh, this was at 6.30. She took this picture of the, of the fox saying hello to the cat Sylvester. No rain yet, she says. Don't worry. You don't worry. You will get it, I promise you. So all these pensioners, all these people now sitting in their houses going, do you think my house is worth a million, Steve? If it's in the London area, if you're in a, if you're in a good area... You know, Kensington, Chelsea. I was watching a programme the other day about the auction house in Lots Road. It's amazing how many people go in there and they get caught up in the frenzy of an auction and buy things. And I think that's, that's absolutely wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. But I, I'm shouting at the woman on the television, don't buy it. She said, my limit is 3000 I'm not going to spend any more money. And she goes up to five. Because by the time they put the commission on the top of it, it'd take it up to, to £5,000. And I'm sort of shouting, saying, don't, don't, don't. Hottest day of the year today. Get ready for tropical storms. Because, uh, as you've noticed, around the capital this morning and spreading across the country, you've got the thunder and lightning. At the moment, I think, here in London, it's very overcast. And we've got a lot of rain. So I'm going to tell you about the weather. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you about the weather now, just very just very briefly, because it is going to be hot, humid, mainly sunny. They say the high today, 31 degrees. That's what they're estimating. Dreadful, isn't it? And tonight, heavy thunderstorms, risk of longer spells of thundery rain or hail with frequent lightning and gusty winds. Tomorrow, hot, humid and cloudy, further heavy thunderstorms, possible longer spells of thundery rain or hail. Or hail. Can we really be getting hail? Didn't they have it on a beach the other day? Was it Brighton where they showed it on the television? I sat here thinking, is that really hail? And it really was. And so that's what they've said. Very warm, humid and uncomfortable tonight. Tomorrow, again, perhaps brightening up at time. High 30 degrees. And Sunday through Tuesday, risk of further thundery showers, but warm and humid. And that's the way it is going to stay, ladies and gentlemen. So today, 31 degrees, the expected high. But there is going to be heavy thunderstorms a little bit later on. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Ten to six. I'm now getting loads of uh, text messages from people complaining that they're not millionaires because they're not living in London and their property has not gone up as much as it has done. Because they're now saying a million pensioners are now worth a million. They don't have hard cash in their hands, but they've paid off their mortgage and their houses are worth a lot of money. Sadly, not in Dagenham. Dagenham in Essex is, is probably not one of those areas. There will be million-pound properties in Dagenham. It's just that we can't find any this morning. And Paul says... Last night, driving along the M25, the best lightning show I've ever seen. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated by it. I'm always terrified of being hit by it and struck by lightning. We were trying to work out earlier, my grandmother used to turn all the mirrors round to face the wall. And she didn't have that many mirrors, but she used to turn them around to face the wall if there, was a, if there was lightning and thunder and wrap the cutlery up. Is that just some old, old wives' tale that people used to do? Andy on the travel says the M40 northbound, junction 2 to 3, that's Beaconsfield and Loudwater, one lane open after a vehicle has overturned. Have you seen the speed of some of the cars, even in this dreadful weather that we're getting? And, uh, and James says we had thunder, lightning and a torrential downpour around 2.30 in Crawley Down. Loved it. Amazing how many people quite like it, actually. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And Jane says, I'm a quarter millionaire, not a pensioner in North London. And then loads of people saying, why isn't my house, house worth this much money? Misty and uh, No Rain says, Nigel, I live near Exeter. They're giving out foil bags to stop smokers throwing down dog ends. Disgusting habit, especially when the uh, gents urinal. They get very soggy and very difficult to light afterwards. Yes, we used to say, there used to be an old joke, didn't there? Please don't drop your cigarette ends in our toilet. We don't in your ashtray. And uh, that, was a, that was a fairly popular side. Because people do that, don't they? And all over the place you see cigarette ends. Because there's nothing else you can do with them. You've either got to throw them in the road or just kind of just drop them wherever you stand. They do them at bus stops. People at bus stops are just absolutely awful. Looking at the uh, more on the horror of flight MH17, the fields are covered by corpses. You can see the uh, the smoke from the wreck billowing across Ukrainian countryside. Uh, the rebel leader has said, we warned you, don't fly in our area. And uh, then they give you the the facts and the figures. And they look at the, uh, the flight path and they look at uh, everything else as to why he was there. It's, uh, to, they, they now talk about uh, BA reviewing its Kiev flight, Virgin's route, cross the war region. But uh, not directly through the middle of it, uh, like this one did the other day. It just doesn't make any sense at all. But no doubt, once they've had an inquiry, they will find out. Um, another one here. This is... Uh, oh, it's, it's a picture of little John Terry uh, getting out of his white Rolls Royce wraith the other day. He was meeting his wife for lunch. How novel. In Cobham, in Surrey. And so decided to take the wraith out. So that was exciting, wasn't it? And he's also got a Range Rover, but he's got a Wraith, but he can't quite fathom out the doors because they open the other way, so he's not quite used to that. Katie Hopkins is on holiday. Sadly, she's still managed to do her column. And uh, Clegg has been accused of cowardice by senior Tories last night after he launched two surprise attacks on David Cameron. I'm still trying to work out this huge shuffle that they did within, uh, within Cameron's government. Uh, was, it, was it done as a deflector? Is it being done as a deflector? Because we actually actually seem to have a day today where we don't seem to have talked about uh, paedophilia and the uh, inquiry that is getting underway. Still laughing about uh, poor old Kikati Price. This is the one who's uh, who's going to tell you this week in the Sun on Sunday. So I better have a word with Stig about this one. 
uh, as she reveals for the first time, it's not really, she's done nothing but drone on about poor little hubby Kieran Haler, who at the moment must be tied up, you know, outside in a dog kennel, I should imagine, and she's going to tell you about the affair. Well, she didn't know anything about it. It'd be much more exciting if he told you about it and why he decided to cheat for seven months, not just a one-night stand, seven months. But, I mean, to be honest with you, is this woman has sold every aspect of her dreary little life. We all know the reason why he cheated, because quite clearly she's not very exciting in the bedroom department, and he found a bit more excitement elsewhere, which went on for seven months. Unbelievable. Uh, Beyonce's innovative release strategy has paid off with MTV. Remember last December... She dropped her new album online without any prior warning, and now she's up for eight MTV VMA gongs. She gets Best Female, Video of the Year for Drunk in Love. Actually, which reminds me to tell you that uh, Cheryl Cole's little single, Crazy Stupid Love, is out on Sunday. Whether or not she gets to number one remains to be seen, and does it go any further than that, or will they just go, oh, well, that's it? It's a, it's a very cleverly put-together video, but ultimately not the, the best song I've ever heard. And uh, then you've got Monty Python who are going to be airing on UK Gold on Sunday, because they'll have done their ten performances. This will be the final one, and you can watch it on there. I think you have to pay for it. I'm very, I tell you what I'm looking forward to seeing, and I didn't think I would be, because I never liked any of the Planet of the Ape films, but there's the, uh, this is the, the new one. They've got Andy Serkis in it. It's so clever when you see what they do, what, what they're working with, and then they superimpose the monkey face on him. Imagine being known for being able to recreate monkeys. It looks quite terrifying, this one, though. Normally in the Planet of the Apes, I watched um, an early one the other day. They, they look a bit dated now. But this one looks violent. Very dark and very, very violent. But uh, I shall probably end up seeing it at some cinema, although I just don't want to pay the West End prices. It's, it's a shame that they, they charge so much in the West End. I mean, uh, to be honest, when I say they charge so much, I don't exactly know how much they charge, but it's, it's more than a fiver to go to the cinema. Producer saw it last week. Brilliant. He thought it was brilliant. Is it, is it very violent, though? I mean, it, looks, it looks terrifying to me. It is quite violent, yeah. And then he interviewed Andy Serkis this week. Lovely man. He's quite tall, isn't he, Andy Serkis? Oh, he's short. Is he a little tiny man? I just couldn't, I couldn't work out this thing that he had on. He, he sort of wears this thing around the front, so obviously he knows how he's, how he's playing it. And then they superimpose these other bits. Must be make it very disconcerting for actors nowadays when they do things, and most of it's blue screen or green screen or, or just superimposed. Or in fact, the person isn't even there at all, which I find even more entertaining. Um, uh, the Sun today, talking uh, to Mike Myers. To Mike Myers which is very interesting, but spare a thought for the poor postie. Somebody wrote to me the other day saying, Steve, I'm a postman. I get a number of postmen writing, apart from the Milkmans, uh, and the Milkman always write in, and they're always wearing shorts. The postmen are going, spare a thought for us, either cycling round or pushing those little little trolleys. But here is, uh, is a postman who was chased by angry bees. No, not just any old angry bees. They were in a parcel that she was delivering. Because I'm assuming that's how you, you send bees. Uh, Cara Tyra opened the side door of her van and was engulfed. She said, I thought I'd parked by a bee's nest. It didn't dawn on me. They were actually inside the van. I had no idea I was carrying a box of bees. You thought they'd have made a noise, wouldn't you? Don't they get... Wouldn't you have heard something like that? So they'd obviously have to have air holes. Once I realised, I managed to chuck it outside on the floor and then they went absolutely mental. Well, they would have done. <laughs> they would have done. So I ran... There were about 2,000 of them. Anyway, uh, locals in Yeovil heard her screaming and called, uh, called a local beekeeper who gathered most of the insects in a blanket and returned them to the box. They're very good beekeepers, aren't they? I quite like that idea. Quite like that idea. Uh, Cara of Bridgewater safely delivered the bees 
to uh, a nearby village. She said, I was very lucky. I got out of the van when I did. I'll be looking very more carefully. A spokesman for Parcel Force said bees were accepted in the post, but must be enclosed in packs constructed so as to prevent injury. <gasps> that would be your worst nightmare, wasn't it? Your worst nightmare. All of a sudden, these bees descend on you. They, they, when I was looking at this Lots Road programme the other day, they had a woman on there, and she'd bought a sofa, and she was so thrilled with this sofa, and it was a big old sofa, she took it back home, little realising what was inside it. Mice. She had an infestation of mice in the house. They were everywhere. She said, I couldn't believe I'd actually brought them in in the sofa. They'd actually arrived in this sofa, she said, and we had an epidemic of mice all over the place, which made me smile. I don't know, I don't know why I should smile at other people's misfortune. And uh, here's one from, uh, from Sarah. She says, very sorry this morning brings such sad and awful news. Yes, I said before, you can only hope that it happened very quickly, which I'm assuming it would have done with these surface-to-air missiles. On a brighter note, she says, uh, Sittingbourne had lightning but no rain at 3.30 this morning, but now it's chucking it down. Yes, that's what happens. It starts off with, with the lightning, and then it, it looks fine, and then the next minute the rain arrives, and when it comes down... It is like uh, a monsoon. I mean, it was chuck it down. You think, and then as fast as it started, it stopped. As fast as it started, it stopped. So for that, we should be eternally grateful. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. We'll have. Some, I've got a, a thing about some kids' car safety seats, which I'll tell you about in a moment. Final half hour of the early breakfast show on LBC before the weekend. Don't worry, I'm here till uh, 6.30. Lisa Aziz will be here then with the morning news. 298 people dead as flight MH17 is shot down in East Ukraine. Hottest day of the year today, 31 degrees. People, they say, will die in the heat. You must take care. You must not think that you, especially if you're elderly, that you can just walk about in this. The idea is if you've got anything to do, do it first thing this morning. It's also probably the first day of the kids uh, being on school holiday. They probably can't wait and everybody will be heading for the coast. My advice, leave early. Uh, the husband who told his wife, you've still got your socks on, then he collapsed and died as they were making love. All of that and more on LBC with Steve Allen. It's all next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. You wake up to the uh, the news of that uh, that missile which brought down that 777. The uh, the people can't have known anything that was going to happen to them. There was pictures in the papers today of uh, rubbish and uh, the wreckage of the downed jet. There's not much of it left, it has to be said, but quite clearly you can see the bodies of people who lost their lives as well, a whole stack of passports and empty cases. Absolutely dreadful. More on that coming with, uh, with Nick Ferrari at 7 o'clock this morning. 52% of crimes go unsolved in this country. I think the courts are so overloaded, they don't have enough time and the police can't be bothered with the paperwork. Once they, uh, once they lessen the paperwork, we might get uh, more convictions. And the hottest day of the year is today. All that and more on LBC between now and 6.30 this morning, and it's wet, wet, wet. It's the way it's going to start off, and then it will get very hot and very sticky and very humid later on. So it's our very own little tropical downpour, which is taking place all over the entire country. Nick will be also talking today, a radio first, as the boss of the Royal Bank of Scotland, Ross McEwen, will join Nick in the studio to take your calls. I'm with Royal Bank of Scotland, but I was with William and Glynn's. 
which I think it's going back to. Didn't somebody say they were bringing back William and Glynn's? I think they like the old name. It's all part of the same group that owns Nat West, and they've got Drummond's, and they've got Coots, and there's another one as well, which I can't think of at the moment. But, uh, no, I, I quite like it. I liked William and Glynn's. I felt as well I was part of something with William and Glynn's. And so if they go back to that again, that'll be, uh, that'll be quite a nice thing. It'll, it'll generally, uh, generally happen, and uh, you won't know anything about it at all. Uh, Neil says, heat, thunderstorms, dog up most of the night barking. Did I actually get any sleep? I don't think so. That's the trouble. You see, dogs are very susceptible to things like... Not everybody's dog, but a lot of dogs are very susceptible to it. Uh, well done to Gary. He says, a great time last weekend with the Jensen Button Triathlon. Remember, we spoke about that, which he completed in the morning and made the finals to compete again in the afternoon. All very exciting. And this weekend, I actually did my longest open water swim without a wetsuit. <laughs> it did feel great, only slightly unnerving when feeling the weeds wrapping around me when I strayed too close to the lake edge. This is the thing that absolutely puts a panic into me. I could never do it. He's doing a, a local triathlon at the Outdoor Activity Centre in Harefield with Hillingdon triathletes. So hoping it'll stay dry for Sunday. Yeah, well, don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. But that's the only thing that would stop me swimming in a, in a lake. You don't know what's underneath you. There could be a, I always imagine there's a conger eel or something that's about to wrap itself around your legs and drag you under. So it, it makes me feel quite ill even thinking about it at the moment. It's like kids who go swimming in these, uh, in these quarries and they get into difficulty in the water. You don't ever go swimming in any of these places. Half of crimes reported to police go unsolved. It emerged the other day. The dire detection rate drops to just a quarter for theft, arson and criminal damage. Meanwhile, barely four in ten robbers are, uh, are being nabbed. Home Office stats for April and May revealed overall 48% of crimes were solved, with the rest marked investigation complete, no suspect identified. And it's, I think it's because the police have so much paperwork to do with every single case. It just must drag on and drag on and drag on. Even arresting somebody takes for ages. You've got to take them back. You've got to fingerprint them. You've got to photograph them. You've got to come at the charge sheet. You've got to, and it's just, it's just ongoing. And then if the thing goes to court, the police officer's got to take time off his duties to then go and attend court. I shouldn't imagine they like doing any of this because they have to keep referring to notes. So unless they make notes at the time, they just can't remember these sort of things. Um, I hear, um, oh, somebody says, this is, uh, Jason. He says, the storm woke me at 2.30 this morning. I'm now in Muswell Hill and it's here with very heavy rain. Off now to Clapton. So morning to Noreen and the, uh, and the loveys as well. <laughs> Are you sure the postie didn't open the package thinking there might be something valuable inside? Certainly not. No, in fact, she didn't even, obviously one or two had escaped. And that was the that was the problem. I think that should be marked, shouldn't it? If they're sending bees via parcel force, should there not be a thing <coughs> thing on the outside of it saying "live bees in transit"? I didn't know the, how, that's how they sent them, and I'm assuming it's perfectly possible. I suppose if if you buy bees online, that's how they send them. They don't exactly bring them round, do they? They just pop them in the post. Uh, staying in a hotel, says Wendy, overlooking St Pancras Station on the fifteenth floor, watching an amazing thunderstorm. Yes, I mean, you, you can do, I should imagine, there. I know exactly where you are. Sounds absolutely lovely. <coughs> I've seen uh, lots of uh, OAPs stumbling around yesterday, says Nicky. The bus driver holding onto fences, sitting down on benches, almost collapsing, trying to catch their breath, because they can't stand the heat. Why don't they stay in for a couple of days? <coughs> Excuse me, you know what they had yesterday? It was a lady on the television. She was a doctor, and she'd been on a bus 
And she'd had to get off the bus. She thought she was going to collapse because of the heat on the bus. Because on the new Boris buses, there's no windows that open. There is no window. So she was clinging on. For, and if the bus gets busy, which they do at certain times. And so she said to uh, Boris, and the reporter was asking Boris at the time, perhaps they'll, they'll find out with, uh, with him next week on LBC, <coughs> what they're going to do about trying to sort out exactly uh, where the air conditioning's coming from. The reason people don't put air conditioning on is because it costs too much money. If you're running a petrol, you know, bus or diesel, whatever it is they run on, that costs money. It will drink it to run these, the system. Apparently, they're going to put air conditioning on the underground in the year 2020, I believe. So we're going to have to wait a little bit for that one because that's another un- <clears throat> really uncomfortable way to travel, isn't it? You're underground, it's Boiling hot, and you're next to loads of other people who are also boiling hot. Tempers flare. People get very <coughs> sorry, a little bit of a tickle this morning. Uh, people get very upset about uh, about the heat. But this woman had to get off the bus. She said it was so hot on the bus. And you think to yourself, why can't they just have a window that opens at the front of the bus, and so that as he's driving along, the air comes through? And then I thought, oh, no, wait a minute, that wouldn't be a good idea. What about if you if you drive into a an epidemic of flying ants? What do you do about that? The answer is, at the moment, we've got loads of flying ants around. They're uh, all over the place at the moment. So I begin to wonder whether or not we're never going to get air conditioning on buses, or we've got it and they don't want to use it because it's too expensive, or fell out, why can't we just have a window that opens? And if you're sitting at the top of the bus and the window's open, or there's a vent or something, perhaps you can push a button and the roof slides back a little bit. Oh, no, that's a tour bus. And then all of a sudden, then you can get some, some air in, can't you? Because to sit on these things is terribly unpleasant and so Nikki saw it yesterday and if you do you know see seats let them uh, let them sit down let them sit down conger eels live in the sea not fresh water says Richard the milk great show more caring than ever I know but that, that that's my that's the that's the thing that worries me isn't it I know conger eel wouldn't be in that lake but the trouble is I always think something could be there something you know something would only have to brush past me like a weed or something like that I would oh, what a shark, exactly. You know, you could be swimming through a lake, in, and there could be a... Somebody might have had a shark as a pet that they bought for a pet shop, and then they released it into the lake. And, that, you know, I, and you start thinking about all these dreadful things. And the more I think about it... And then Gary, he, goes, he does this freshwater swimming in lakes, because it's all part of these triathlons. I couldn't do it at all, I'm afraid. So, uh, so thank you very much for that one, Richard. I do, uh, I do appreciate they don't, they don't live there. They still frighten me. I still think that there might be some, some creature... That might live underneath there, some sort of strange swimming man who lives under the under the ocean. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk, and we shall weave everything in as quickly as possible. Sophie Thompson was in EastEnders for a couple of years, and I've seen her in four weddings and a funeral. Says Annette. Uh, last day at work before three weeks summer holidays. Whoop! Yes, everybody's uh, looking forward to summer holidays. Although to be honest with you, why bother going away? We've got the heat here. Just go and sit in the garden or in the roof. But if you are, make sure that you cover up and you uh, and you put lots of lots of sun cream on. Uh, there's the pictures in the paper of the of the dog ruining the TB weather, and then poor old Adam Bolton choked on a fly outside Downing Street. Did you see it? Poor soul. Honestly, I mean, he he swallowed this fly on air, and it's now become an internet hit. 140,000 uh, views on... That's not an internet hit. 140,000 is possibly average. 10 million would be an internet hit. But to swallow... I've done that. I've swallowed a fly before. We used to go walking down with the river. 
in the summer. We'd walk from Twickenham to Richmond, which is, you know, it's a good couple, three, three miles, something like that. Nice walk. But in the summer, you get clouds of these little mayflies, which last for, for a very short space. Of time. And you open your mouth, and I swallowed half a dozen. And I remember thinking, Ugh. and the, the trouble is, you're not sure if they die straight away. It was horrible. Whatever it was, it was horrid. Quick time check for you. It's uh, quarter past six. Morning, everybody. Uh, 6.20 is the time. So it's a first, the CEO of the Royal Bank of Scotland. As far as we know, he's never done a, uh, a phone-in, Ross McEwen. So he's going to be joining Nick in the studio at nine o'clock this morning. Nine o'clock this morning. Looking at the papers for Nick is Mark Constantine. Nick will also be talking about these uh, people fear dead. I wonder if Mark will pick up on the fact that, you know, we're looking at pictures in the papers today of bodies that are quite clearly, for the family of these people, they might be identifiable. I don't know them. But I don't think they should really show things like that. Talking about things that you're scared of, Nicola Bon says to me, I'm also petrified of creatures in the sea. It's sea snakes that get me the most. See, every time I think of sea snakes, I think of some film I saw where they had a, one that rose out of the sea. It was like a Jason and the Argonaut type thing, and that frightened me quite a lot. <laughs> but sea snakes as well, because they, they, they're actually very... Ad- I thought most snakes can swim, but these sea snakes are very good. Things like that. So that, you're quite, that frightens me as well, Nicola. And uh, Phil... Yes, is the answer to your question. Because there was a story I couldn't mention, and he, he says, was it about Mr... And so I said yes, and I can't, but I can't mention it, because it's part of a, an ongoing court case at the moment. And uh, Pete says, uh, always keeps me going through the last part of my night shift. Lightning show. Yeah, everybody was very impressed by it. Everybody was very... Clive, who's uh, working with Nick Ferrari this morning, and uh, James O'Brien, he was very excited by the rain. Of course, he didn't plan for it, so uh, unlike my good self, he sort of has a little doze in the car, and they heard this little pitter-patter... You can close the door. Close the door. <laughs> little pitter-patter on the roof, and he thought, I-, I better go off now to work. And so <laughs> he sets off for work for the car park, or wherever it was he's parked, just down the bottom of the road. The heavens open. What a sight that must have been, ladies and gentlemen, as he gets absolutely drenched outside. Me, I mean, it was bad enough because it comes, to, it came down like a monsoon, the rain this morning. So he said, uh, I should have actually, when I parked, I should have got out of the car and headed up to the front door quicker. But he'll learn next time. So I've got a little one, a little umbrella, which I take with you. Because um, I have a worrying feeling that if you, if you bring a big umbrella in, by the time I leave here, it might be brilliant sunshine. You look foolish walking down the road with a big umbrella. So it doesn't happen anymore. Uh, Tam... Uh, it's going on about mortgages for some strange reason. I don't know why, actually. Uh, Kevin says there's much pressure in the Earth's atmosphere. It'll all end in tears. The winter to come is awful. Yes, I mean, I, I think... I mean, the weather is all over the place, isn't it? It really is. And it was Keith who says that the Imperial War Museum stands on the site of the old uh, Bethlehem Hospital. It was called Bedlam. Yes, it was a, it was a mental uh, hospital. Um... Uh, Tam says, have you ever interviewed Blackburn? No, but I, th- I think it'll probably happen. I think it'll happen. And then Elton wants to know, that's not Elton John, by the way, who says, who is your least favourite celebrity and your favourite? I don't actually have least favourites or favourites. They're all much of a muchness to me. I don't have anybody that, uh, you know, if, if they're in the newspaper, then they get mentioned on a regular basis because they're in the newspaper. But, but normally I, I sort of, I don't have favourites. Or, or sort of a least favourite celebrity. I don't know. I can't think of anybody who'd be a least favourite celebrity. They're all, they're all equal cannon fodder as far as I'm concerned for me. Uh, <clears throat> same in, uh, Caroline says, same in Harold Wood. 3.15, now 5.15, just the thunder and lightning. Very muggy. 
Yeah, very muggy indeed. And that's the that's the problem. It's very muggy out there. Um, Helen says, exactly, Steve. That's why the serpentine is so called. It's full of serpents. You see, I just don't, don't frighten me with things like that because that does... It's like somebody chasing me. I know that seems really odd, but at school, somebody only had to run up behind me and I could flee down the corridors like there was no tomorrow. I hate stuff like that. Steve, uh, you need to revise the prediction of thunderstorms for the southeast from this evening. We've actually already been having massive ones for the last three hours. And, uh, and we keep repeating it. doesn't make me look stupid, Mark. doesn't make me look stupid. We've still got thunderstorms. Where are you? Just because you don't have them in Hainaut. You know, we, we, they, are, they are still active around the capital, like the rain is. And then somebody says here, Loch Ness Monster on a private lake. Oh, well, I don't believe in the Loch Ness Monster. I never believed in that one. That was always very silly. <laughs> and Phil says, talking of strange things, I bumped into a mermaid last year. Stunning. Vital statistics, 38, 29 and £2.70 a kilo. Thank you very much indeed. The old ones are the best, and Lord knows this is the programme that does sometimes. Uh, Dave says, pike and perch live in freshwater and they eat meat. Oh, stop it. Don't you say that's now frightening me even more. I used to fish for, uh, for perch. Uh, I never fished for pike. Oof, God, it makes me feel creepy. can't imagine why I ever went fishing at all in the first place. And uh, one here says, I'm off uh, to sleep in 32 degrees after working in 32 degrees all night. Great storm over Gatwick at about 2.30, so I had to stop work because I work for BT and the lightning can hit a telegraph pole and travel into the exchanges, so we have to stay away from the equipment. <laughs> uh, 84850. Mark in Putney says, I have the ominous feeling that things are going to get very smelly today. Yes, because it's going to be the heat. The thing I hate about the heat is when your pants stick to your legs. I don't like that at all. That's very uncomfortable walking down the high street. <laughs> uh, 84850. Oh, the arresting officer drops the offender off at custody and all the fingerprinting, photo and DNA is completed by a detention officer who's a member of support staff. Thank you. Yeah, but then if it goes to court, you've got to go back into court, haven't you? That's, that's the big problem with it. Uh, uh, one here. Steve, lots of rain, very warm and muggy. In Little Leominster. And uh, the M40 now closed northbound, which we said before. That's junction two to three. Junction two to three. So you have been warned. Uh, let's look at the uh, the front pages of the papers. Uh, they're all carrying the same story. The Sun, Putin's missile. Vladimir Putin was facing universal condemnation last night after pro-Russian separatists shot down a passenger jet carrying 295 people over Ukraine. Uh, the Mirror have uh, the slaughter at 33,000 feet, 295 people killed. It's up to 298 at the moment. Six Brits and 80 children feared among the dead. Putin warned of hell to pay if Russia is to blame. Uh, the Daily Express, also looking at the people killed as the jet was shot down. World outrage at missile attack over East Ukraine. And uh, what is left of this, uh, this jet is uh, you know, barely worth mentioning at all. You can just see one of the wheels... The rest of it, gone to pieces, I'm afraid. Uh, Daily Mail this morning. Uh, up to ten British people dead as the airliner is downed. UK rebels blamed. US says if Putin's involved, dot, 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 dot. And they've got a picture of people who've come to survey the, the wreck site. That's the front of the Independent as well, with their headline, Shot Out of the Sky. And uh, the Times this morning, blown out of the sky. Hundreds killed as the plane is shot down over the Ukraine. 154 Dutch and six Britons among the dead in an act of terrorism. A deliberate uh, conflict fuelled by Moscow, they say. And uh, the other one here, the Daily Telegraph, eight Britons feared dead in terror attack. 
And again, it's the same picture on the front of the Metro today, blasted out of the skies by a ground-to-air missile over Ukraine. Just about it. I will be back with you. Oh, i tell you what we forgot to do this morning. I knew there was something we'd forgotten to do. I forgot to do my clips for you. I forgot to do my clips for In Conversation. <gasps> Goodness me, I knew there was something. There's something there, was, there was so much going on this morning that we didn't quite get round to it. So that's... Never mind. Never mind. I can tell you, though, it's John Barrowman and it's Armstrong and Miller. John Barrowman and Armstrong and Miller. This coming Sunday for In Conversation from 5. I'm here live from 6 with my uh, Sunday irreverent look at the newspapers and a lot to get through there will be on Sunday. Have a great day. Stay out of the heat, please. Or if not, take loads of water with you. Nick and the team here at 7 o'clock this morning. I'm Steve Allen. Have a good weekend. The morning news is next with Lisa Azar.